Kentucky NASCAR Race Review. We'll also have our Bristol All-Star Preview tonight, along with our Hot Topic Roundup. So uh, joining me shortly, or joining me now, is our co-host, Sal Sagawa, and I'm bringing him into the queue. So welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sherrod. Okay, I'm just going to do a quick overview of the, the evening here. We're going to start out with about 15 minutes for every segment tonight. We have first the Arkham and Art Series uh, race from Kentucky Speedway, along with the Truck Series race at Kentucky Speedway. That will happen in our first half hour. In the second half hour, we'll do the Cup Series review, along with the Xfinity Series double header at Kentucky. And then uh, at 9.30 tonight, Eastern Time, our guest is going to be uh, the track owner uh, of Irwindale Speedway, and that is Tim Huddleston. So we will uh, look forward to talking to him during that 9.30 half hour. And then before the half hour is out, we are going to preview the uh, all Open and All-Star Race that is taking place at Bristol Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, our last half hour of the night is our NASCAR Hot Topic Soundbox, and that starts at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. And uh, so uh, did you get a chance to uh, watch the uh, ARCA race this uh, you know, Sharon, actually, actually, you know what, I, I did, I did catch some of it and, and, um, usually what I'll do now when I can record is I'll catch like the last, like 20, 25 laps of it, you know, cause that's usually oh, okay. where all the action is, you know, you know, like if I have, you know, we got a lot of stuff down Well, we did with the COVID, but now that they shut us down again. So now I'm back to, I'll be able to watch the whole races. Now we're stuck at home oh, again. Okay. So. But, but yeah, I was gonna watch some of it. It was a it was a very good race. I mean, Ty Gibbs just oh my gosh, man, that kid just um, he's an amazing, amazing talent. He is definitely. This was his second victory uh, of the season, and uh, in the Arkham Menard series, he's won other races, but in the Arkham Menard series, this was his second victory. Uh, there were 17 drivers on the entry list uh, for this race. Uh, Brett Holmes, gosh, is he knocking on the door of a victory? Uh, I expect him to have a breakthrough here at some point during this season. Uh, he is the second-place finisher, uh, followed by the series points leader, Michael Self in third place. Sam Mayer finished fourth, and Drew Dollar came home with a fifth-place finish uh, this weekend at Kentucky Speedway. Finishing in sixth through tenth is Ryan Repko, Derek Griffin, Ryan Huff, Tanner Gray, and Jason uh, Kipmiller rounds out that top ten finishers at Kentucky Speedway. So it was uh, a pretty amazing finish uh, with Ty Gibbs almost losing it, but kind of regaining uh, his position and uh, then going after that victory. Uh, so it was kind of an exciting finish nonetheless, though. Yeah, it was, Sharon. You know, and I'm surprised we're not getting more drivers, you know, to – you know, you know, they want to, you know, they want to race in this series because it really is, uh, I mean, you know, we've, I know 
last year we talked about the series, you know, and, um, you know, and, and now, you know, that I'm finally able to see, you know, racing, you know, because last year we didn't start to see it on, over here on the West Coast because they used to show it, but now we're starting to see racing. It really is a good series. I mean, it's really competitive. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of action going on around the track, you know, and, uh, you know, these, and you got to remember, these are, these are all still young drivers, you know, that are, you know, still trying to cut their teeth, you know, to make it hopefully one day to the trucks, you know, or even Xfinity, but I mean, you look at Michael Self, and Michael Self has been back and forth all around the, all around the globe, you know, when it comes to racing um, cars. But it really is a good series. It really is, Sal. Uh, and you know, I've been saying that for a long time. And I understand it was a Midwest series, but now they've gone national, and I'm so happy uh, that that's happened with the Arkham and Art series, uh, and and that everybody can now see how great this series is. Now, Sal, let's go over the series point standings because there's a tie for second place now. Yeah, you know what? There was a big shakeup, especially with the acts with uh with uh you know with the accident you know, that Haley Deegan had with um with Drew Dollar, you know, and, and that, mm-hmm. that knocked her from that second spot on the podium. But like you and we we talked about it last week that we might see a shake up and start seeing a shake up in the points. But when we when we let's let's so let's let's uh, see what the points standing say right now. So leading off leading still leading the points is Michael Self. Like you said, we, we have a tie now at second with um, Drew Dollar and Brett Holmes. Um, uh, Haley Diggett dropped to fourth. In fifth, we got Dad Buffett uh, rounds off the top five. And then from there, then we go down to uh, Ryan Huff in sixth. Ty Gibbs in seventh with two wins. Tanner Gray is in eighth. Sam Mayer ninth. And Chandler Smith uh, round off the top ten. It's kind of strange to see a driver with two wins, you know, with only um, – you know, only sitting four in uh, seventh place, but but you got to remember he's only had four starts. Had he had the six starts, he would probably be up here with Michael Self. That's absolutely correct. I, I always like to look at the start, uh, average starts and average finishes too. Michael Self has amazing stats there, as does I did give. If you want to kind of compare those numbers. Oh yeah, they they do. They're both. Um, I mean, actually, on the average start. Ty Gibbs is better than Michael Self, but on the average finish, you know, Michael has a, has a lot better average finish. And, um, you know, it's it's just, um, you know, that, that just shows, you know, the, the talent, you know, that, that Ty Gibbs brought to the, you know, to Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, and, you know, and that team. Because remember that uh, Riley Herbst did pretty good with that team, you know, the last season, you know, when he, when he raced with it. That's right. Michael Self has an average start of 2.2 compared to Gibbs. Our average start of 2.0, and for the average finish, Michael Self has a 4.0, where Ty Gibbs has a 5.0. But with even more impressive stats, is Chandler Smith in 10th place. He only has three starts in the Arkham Menard series. He has a 2.7 average start, but a 1.3 average finish. That's amazing, Self. It is, you know, it, it is, you know, and, and I'd even catch that, Sharon. I'm glad you caught that because I'd even go down that far to look. But, yeah, you know, that is, that is, it's amazing, 1.3, because, you know, talking about the Arkham Menard Series and looking at two years ago when Derek Thorne won the the NASCAR Cannon West Series, he did it on an average of, I think it was a 2.5 finish, mm-hmm. you know, for throughout the whole season, you know. So, you know, we're looking at numbers like that, and you're looking at Chandler Smith, you know, had he – once again, had he raced all six races and kept that up, he would be smoking Michael Self right now. 
Yeah, he's smoking the Suchi Fa challenge, I think, right now, the short track challenge. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. In fact, we should probably look at that because uh, that is coming up again, I think, this coming weekend. Let me just take a look here and see if they've got numbers here on that. Um, I apologize. I thought I had it right here. Okay, I'm going to have to go to the uh, race review. Um, Yeah, they they, uh, really have some amazing stats going on in this uh, Sioux Chief Challenge. You know, Sharon, and, and actually for the track they're running, you know what, it's it's pretty good, you know, to see, you know, you know that, you know, at least 10 drivers, you know, finished on the lead lap. We only had seven drivers, you know, who did finish on the lead lap, you know. So, I mean, you know, that there was, um, you always know that there was always good racing, you know, when you have that many drivers, you know, such a small field, you know, finish on the lead lap. Because usually when you have a small field like this, you have a lot of them, you know, that have a lot of problems, you know, and, and a lot of them go out early. But, um, right, you know, it's really right. neat, you know, to, you know, to see, you know, to see this, you know, the way they've they've stayed bunched up. I've got the Suchi uh, Showdown info here. Chandler Smith leads that after two races, Phoenix and Lucas Oil race race at 43 points. It's only two races in out of the 10 that they have scheduled for the season. Uh, Michael Sauter in second. Haley Deegan is third, uh, Sal. And then you've got Ty Gibson fourth and Brett Holmes in fifth for that challenge. The next five are Sam Mayer, Thad Moffat, Drew Dollar, Ryan Huff, and Tanner Gray. So it's going to be fun uh, to see how this continues to play out as they get get to those 10 races. Uh, but for that as well. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and, you know, and I mean, this series, hopefully, you know, with, with NASCAR picking them up, you know what, and, you know, and kind of the way the system, you know, you know, the way they have it working in with the, you know, with the Arkham Menards East and the Arkham Menards West, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll pick up some steam next year. You know, we might hopefully get more drivers, you know, you know, well, you know, when they see, you know, what's, you know, what's going on over here, you know, with the, you know, with the, you know, with the, with the series over here. Exactly. Okay. I know we're a little bit early, uh, but I think we've covered uh, the Arca race right now. The only thing that we haven't covered now, and for some reason I can't get it to come up right now, can you tell people when the next Arca Menard Series race is, as well as the East and the West? You know what, Sharon? I'm trying to find it. and they, It should be they under totally the schedule tab. Yeah, you know what happened? They wouldn't change the... Um, they want to change the website for the Look Arkham under Menards. Schedule, I... Sal. Look under schedule. Okay, let me see. And then they'll break it down between the Arkham Menards series and the East and the West. And even the Sioux Chief Showdown, I think, is there. You can look and see when that next race is. Okay, so it'll be... Um, so then the next... Well, the, the, the next one is... Um, for the Arkham Menard series, is that the one you wanted? Yep. Okay, that the next one is um oh shoot, we're right we're here in July already. This is this is Shore Lunch one fifty on July eighteenth. And that's yes, uh and- at Iowa Speedway. 
Okay. So that's uh, coming up this weekend, and I believe that's also they're running with the IndyCar showdown race. Yeah, huh? you know, and they're also running with they're also running it with the um, with the IndyCar race. Yeah, yeah. So, so it'll be a doubleheader. The third. That'll be the third race for the Sioux Chief Showdown, too, Sal. So, so uh, definitely uh, look forward to that race. Uh, and when's the next East race and the next West race? Okay, let me see. Okay. Uh, schedule. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, then for the next, uh, let me see. This is Arkham Art Series East race. Is uh, looks like um, there's none on the schedule yet. It they should be around the 18th or the 25th. It was, it was the 25th, but it's been postponed. It's date to be determined. So which means oh, okay. that they, um, which means that they went ahead and um, and uh, for whatever reason, because of the the, the pandemic. What about the West? At, the West is the same thing. They're still up in the air on, on where they're heading to next. Because this past weekend, when I was talking with um, with a, with one of the drivers who races the the um, the series, he said that, that NASCAR hasn't told them when their next race is, but it might be Colorado is what they're thinking. Or yeah, I think they said because I I, I don't think that they can go to Evergreen because um, Washington is all locked down, and and the oh, okay. NHRA had to cancel their they had to cancel their race in, in Seattle. So, and actually, okay, their next so race was August eighth. Yeah, yeah. So it's so all stay it's tuned all to for be that determined. information. Yeah. Okay. All right. For whatever reason, my internet is down right now. So um, <laughs> hopefully that will come back up. Uh, but let's go ahead and go over uh, the Gander Outdoor Truck Series race that took place at Kentucky Speedway, the 10th annual Buckle Up in Your Truck 225. Race winner was Sheldon Creed at age 22 in the number two Chevy Accessory Chevrolet for Maurice Gallagher and GMS Racing with his crew chief, Jeff Stankiewicz. Now, Sheldon Creed uh, had his first victory in 37 Gander Outdoor Truck Series races. It was also his first victory and fifth top ten finish this year. This is his first victory and first top ten finish in two races at Kentucky Speedway. Ben Rhodes finished second, hosting his second top ten finish in five races at Kentucky Speedway. It's his fifth top ten finish this season. Matt Crafton finishing third, posting his 16th top ten finish in 22 races at Kentucky Speedway. Christian Eckes, who finished sixth, is the highest finishing rookie, and Austin Hill continues to lead the series point standings. Any thoughts, Al, about uh, those finishers? Before yeah, I get you know what? It, the top ten. Yeah, you know, all we what we have to remember too, you know, is that this was a, a, a range shortened race, but it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. if they still got you know the race in. But um, Sheldon Creed, I remember we were talking about him a few races ago, you know, and that you know he was. You know, we all knew he was, he was he was due for a win, yeah. But um, you know, it was it's good to see you know the you know the Bill McAnally team, you know Derek Krause with the nineteen, you know, you know the single car single truck team, you know, and to see Derek, you know, get you know get the eighth place finish. But even more impressive was the ninth place finish by Tanner Gray, who's only really in his second 
in his second full season. You know, yeah, racing we'll get a, a there. We haven't car. gotten there yet. Oh, you, oh you, you haven't got to the ninth yet? No. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. No, not yet. Just, we only just, talked about the top six so far. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, as much as I was happy to see Sheldon Creed get that victory, I was really kind of hoping Ben Rhodes would get a home hometown uh, victory at Kentucky Speedway because that's his home track. He did come in second, but um, uh, I know he was probably disappointed that he didn't get a, a, a higher finish, a, a victory at uh, Kentucky Speedway this year. But yeah, me, and on a quick note, Sharon. Yeah, on a, on a quick yeah. note, was, it was good to see Matt Crafton get that get that um, yeah. third place finish, especially after what happened last week when he, you know, he got in that was a first or second lap wreck, and you know, the yeah. end of his day early. Exactly, exactly. Same thing with Johnny Sauter, who came in fourth place. Uh, and then we already mentioned Dustin Hill, the series points leader, uh, finishing in fifth. Uh, Christian Eckes was the highest finishing rookie. But, Sal, four rookies in the top ten here. You had Zane Smith finishing seventh, Derek Cross finishing eighth, and in ninth place was Tanner Gray. And tenth place was Todd Gilliland. Uh, for uh, his team. So four rookies in that top 10 is amazing. Are you still there, Sal? Yeah, it is. You know, and they're talking throughout the weekend, you know, that Kentucky, you know, was a hard track, a hard track to pass on, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, when they, when, when they put that PJ one up there, you know, you kind of seen, you know, how the, you know, kind of how the, it changed the racing group from, from, you know, years past. Exactly. Uh, now, the number 21 uh, of Zane Smith actually won the first stage. Sheldon Green won the second stage as well as the third stage. There were seven caution flags in 25 laps, six lead changes among just five drivers. So uh, pretty amazing stat there for this uh, uh, race to pull up in your truck 225. Uh, let's go ahead and hit the uh, series point standing, Sal. Okay, right now the way we're looking at the series points, um, we got um, Austin Hill is leading the points. He's in first. Give me a second, Sharon. I just got to put the lock on the door so that this noisy dog doesn't come back in. Okay, so let's go back to the points. Okay, so okay. first we got Austin Hill. Um, second is Sheldon Creed. Third is Ben Rhodes. Fourth is Christian Eckes. And Granny Infinger rounds out the, the top five in the points um, after the after the uh, race over here in, um, in uh, Kentucky. Um, right and then, now, Infinger is the only guy with two wins. And Sheldon Creed has one. They're the only regulars that have wins for this series season. Yeah, that's right. That's right because um, Kyle Busch and uh, and Chase Elliott have the other wins. Mm-hmm. And then and then from there, then we go down to sixth place in the points is uh, Zane Smith. Seventh is Todd Gilliland. Eighth is Brett Moffitt. Ninth is Tyler Akram. And number 10 is Johnny Sauter. Boy, Tyler Akram is just quietly holding a spot there in the top 10. We, have, we haven't heard much 
much from him this year like we had the last couple of years, you know, where he was, you know, really making a, you know, making his That's name right. heard. So he's kind of, yeah, he's kind of quiet this year. I well, was actually, say, he was a champion um, last year. Pardon me? Wasn't he? Was it Tyler Akram a champ? Was was he a champion last year in one of the series, or it was a year before he was in a, a East Series champion? I think with with, mm-hmm. uh, with DGR with David Gillen Racing as a rookie, he won the championship in the while well, it was then the Canon East. Well, he was in the playoff as a rookie. I don't know that he won yeah, the championship. No. no, no, it wasn't a truck. It was a. It was a Can Am East East uh, Championship he won. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about that either. I think it was Todd Gilliland for two years, and then it was. Uh, no, it, 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 it was Tyler. Burton. He was uh, Harrison Burton. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but it was Tyler. He run. He won it as a rookie. Oh, with okay. The in okay. the Can East Series. Okay, but here's the thing. Only 10 of those trucks are going to go to the playoffs this year. And uh, Johnny Sutter's on the inside right now. Derek Kraft, the rookie, is on the outside. But I've got a feeling we're going to see that bounce around a little bit before this is all said and done because another driver that's on the outside looking in right now is Matt Crafton, Sal. Yeah, that's right. And, and, And Matt Crafton has had a couple bad you know, like we said last week, you know, he went out early, so, you know, he didn't pick up that many points, but I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, we're going to see, like you said, we're going to see that, that, that bubble spot, you know, bounce around a little bit. And then who, you got Stuart Friesen in 14, who really hasn't hit on all eight cylinders either, you know, who's, who could also be another, uh, you know, another factor in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this uh, Kentucky race report, uh, points report is something to keep your eye on uh, throughout the rest of the season uh, because uh, I, I think we're going to see uh, some big changes there throughout the year. Um, so with that, Cal, we've got two Xfinity Series races to cover. So since we're a little bit ahead, I think we're going to go ahead and get started with that if you're okay with that. Yeah, I'm fine. Whatever, you know, that, that's fine oh. with me. Okay, let's go ahead and, and go with the first Xfinity Series race, uh, the Shady Race 200 that took place on Thursday night. Austin Sindrick, at the age of 21, was the winner uh, in his number 22 Team Penske snap-on Ford for owner Roger Penske and crew chief Brian Wilson. It was his third victory in 81 Xfinity Series races, his first victory in 10th, Top 10 finish this season, and his first victory and second top 10 in three races at Kentucky Speedway. Riley Earps, in second, the highest finishing rookie, uh, had his first top 10 finish in two races at Kentucky Speedway, and it's his seventh top 10 finish in 2020, which is pretty impressive for this rookie. Now, Ross Chastain finished third. He posted his second top ten finish in nine races at Kentucky. And uh, Chase Briscoe is the leader of the series point standings. And uh, we'll cover more on that in just a few minutes. Uh, Any thoughts about uh, those guys that we just mentioned, Sal? Yeah, it was good to see Riley, you know, know, get that, you know, second-place finish, you know, after, you know, after having, you know, a couple of – you know, a couple of um, tough races. And, um, you know, we all know, you know, that he's got, you know, he's got the talent, you know, 
But you know, mm-hmm. once this being his, you know, this, this being his rookie season, you know, I'm sure there's a there's a little bit of a learning curve, you know, coming from the ARCA, from the ARCA, but now it's just racing, you know, you know these actual um, um Xfinity cars. That is so true. But you know what? I think he's knocking on the door here, so uh, with that second place finish. Uh, to round out the top five, you had Michael Annette uh, finishing in that spot. Uh, another uh, driver that I'm really impressed with this season is driving that number 21 car for the RCR organization, Anthony Alfredo. Wow, what a, he's had a couple of really great races. Uh, Justin Haley finished seventh. Kyle Weatherman with an eighth place finish this weekend. Uh, then you've got Ryan Seed. Uh, finishing ninth with Brett Moffat rounding out the top ten. Uh, really great to see some new names in that top ten finishers. Yeah, it is. You know what? It, you know, there's our, our, you know, our kind of like our unsung hero, Ryan Segan there, you know, in ninth, mm-hmm. you, know, and, uh, you know, after he had some issues last week too, you know. But, um, you know, see Kyle Weatherman, you know, Justin Haley just continues to just pound out, you know, the, you know, the top 10 finishes, you know, and, uh, you know, make a thing, but, you know, of course, you know, you mentioned Anthony Alfredo, you know, to see him up there, you know, six, you know, was really a good, uh, you know, it's really good showing by him and his team. Absolutely. Our buddy Joe Graff Jr. Uh, is going to be on the show again the last Monday of this month. He had a top 13 finish, Sal. Yeah, I've seen that. I was kind of, trying to follow him, you know, as, uh, you know, whatever, you know, however the, um, you know, the cameras, you know, you know, would, would go, but of course, you know, the, you know, they, you know, they're focusing, you know, on, you know, on all the big name players, you know, um, and it's sad because you know what you got, you have, you know, other drivers, you know, who are trying to make, you know, who are up to try to make a name for themselves too, you know what? And I think, you know, that, you know, to, you know, they need to kind of show a little bit more of, of, uh, you know, up and down the field, but, you know, exactly. that's how NASCAR chooses to do it. Now, Noah Braxton didn't get the finish he wanted, but he did win. He finished 11th, but he was also the winner of Stage 1 and Stage 2. Uh, so he had a little incident there at the end of the race uh, that uh, kind of put him and the other competitor back. We're talking about Harrison Burton. Uh, Harrison ended up finishing 17th out of that situation. Uh, there were nine caution flags for 40 laps. Also, lead changes among just four drivers. So. Yeah, you know, Sharon, actually, it was Noah Gregson and, and uh, Justin Algeyer again in the first race that had, that had gotten into each other. It was, it was a I second it was race Harrison for Harrison and, Burton. Harrison Burton and Noah no. Gregson had a fight after the race. After the second race. Oh, was that the second, the second race? race? The first, yeah, the first race it was Noah Gregson and Justin Algaier oh, again. Right. You know that you know you know where they had the they had a little incident you know towards the end and um, hmm. uh, you know and it's funny because you look down I mean you know you look up and down I mean Brandon Jones gosh thirty six you know he had that accident with didn't even get a lap in you know and gosh you know you feel so bad for the kid you know I mean. You know, but I mean, it's just part of racing. Well, where did Justin finish? Justin Algauer ended up finishing. He finished twentieth. Twentieth position. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he he, he finished a lap behind Noah in the 20th position. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and get the points report, Sal. Okay, then on the points after after the first race, the Shady Race 200, we got Chase Briscoe, who is still leading the points. Um, second is Noah Gregson. Third is Austin Sindrick. Fourth is Ross Chastain. And, the, and running out the top five is Justin Haley. You know, you kind of wonder who's, who's going to come down to. Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick are really showing a lot of power this, you know, so far this season. You they know, really as far are. As, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, I mean, they're going back and forth. I mean, not, not putting Noah out or nothing, you know, out of the, the mix. But I know his, I mean, he's, he's hit and miss. But Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick are really consistent. You know, so far this season, you know, and I, and I, I expected to see more from Ross Chastain. Maybe as the season goes on, you know, it's a tight season. You know, maybe Ross will start picking up some steam too. So That's I guess true. we'll have to see from there. And then going back down the list, we got Justin Allgaier in sixth, Harrison Burton, which is the highest uh, rookie driver in seventh, Michael Annette eighth, Brandon Jones ninth, and Ryan Sieg still holding on to that tenth spot. And then from there, then we go down to the two bubble spots, which is Ryder Herbst and Mike Snyder rounding out the top 12. And uh, 13th is Brandon Brown, who's who was one week was like with the biggest names that was being talked about. But, I mean, he's right there, you know, only, uh, what, four points out from, uh, mm-hmm. from the 12th spot from, from Mike Snyder. And uh, he's a ways from, from Ryder Herbst. Yep, yep. So I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to play out as well. Three rookies in that top 12 right now, which I think is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, but you never know what's going to happen by the end of this season, uh, the regular season here. These guys have 14 starts in already. So, uh, well, again, you just have to kind of stay tuned. Chase Bristol is racking them up, though, with five victories this season. Uh, the drivers with two victories are Noah Gregson and Harrison Burton. And then you've got uh, Austin Sindrick with one win, Justin Haley with a win, Brandon Jones with a win. The only other driver with a win in this group, and actually he's actually ranked 24th because he has not raced all 14 races. He's racing part-time. But uh, A.J. Allmendinger also has a victory this season. Yeah, he does. You know, and um... – you know, you know, going up and down the, uh, you know, the list, you know, it, it's kind of, I don't for a lot of the fans, you know, they're, they're glad to not see, um, you know, Kyle Bush, you know, part of this, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> you know kind of damning this series, which I think is kind of good too, because you don't, um, you know, we're starting to see, you know, these, you know, a lot of the drivers are leaving the cup series and, you know, hopefully these Xfinity drivers, you know, will get their chance you know, and, you know, to pick up some of these cup rides. And you know what, you really need to let these guys battle out at their own, at their own level. So this when they come up, you know what, they, they're not intimidating and not so much intimidating, but you know, you know, they, you know, they're, they're used to driving against these, you know, so, so they know where the give and take factor is, you know, when it comes to racing each other. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be uh, really fun to watch these guys as the season progresses out because uh, there's a lot of really good talent in this series. 
So uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a load of fun. And I've really enjoyed, over the last three years, I have really, really enjoyed watching this Xfinity series. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's a, you know what, it, 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 is, it is a good series. I mean, you know, um, you know, of course, you know, the races are shorter than the Cup series. But, um, you know, I mean, these guys are, they're really making, I mean, man, the way they're battling for the wins this year, it's, you know, it, it's amazing how hard they're driving, you know. It's just, it's just sad to see some drivers, you know, kind of pushing a little bit too much, you know, for whatever reason, you know, and, 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 and a lot of it's uncalled for, you know. I mean, you know what, um, you know, I understand everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be the champion, you know, but I mean, you know, let's, you know, let's keep it at a, you know, at a knife, you know, you know, of course they're not going to play nice, but I mean, in, intentional stuff is really, is, is yeah, the intentional you know, stuff has got to go. <laughs> it has to go. It has to go. Especially when yeah. you got cup teams looking at you, you know, and, you know, and they're seeing this week after week, you know, what do they really want a driver like that? You know, in their cup, yeah. you know, at the top level of NASCAR wrecking more expensive equipment. Yeah, in some cases, uh, drivers can be their own worst enemies when it comes to that type of thing. Okay, Sal, I uh, want to go ahead and get into the next Xfinity Series race because we did have two this week. Uh, Austin Sendrick swept the Xfinity Series races at Kentucky Speedway when on Friday night he also won the Expo 300. Uh, and, uh, again, at just age 21 for team owner Roger Penske and crew chief Brian Wilson, uh, it was his fourth victory in 82 Xfinity Series races, his second victory in the 11th top 10 finish this year, and his second victory and third top 10 finish in four races at Kentucky Speedway. Chase Briscoe in second, posting his third top 10 finish in three races at Kentucky Speedway. And it's his 12th top 10 finish this year. Justin Haley in third, posting his third top 10 finish in three races at Kentucky Speedway. Uh, Riley Erbst, uh, 10th, was the highest finishing rookie. And Chase Briscoe continues to lead the series point standings, but it did tighten up uh, just a bit after this race. And we'll talk about that more later. Uh, but any thoughts about those uh, three drivers, so? You know, it's like we were just speaking right now. You know, Austin Cedric and Chase Briscoe—they're really making a—I mean, they're—they're they're really adding a lot of a lot of uh, excitement to the series. I mean, going back and forth like that, and like Austin Cedric said at the beginning of the season, if if I ever expect to you know to compete at a, at the Cup level, he says I, he goes I need to win at least eight races in Xfinity, and I mean he mm-hmm. is tough. He Chase is, said that, I mean, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, not Austin. It was Chase Briscoe that said that. You know, and mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's right there. But I mean, Austin Cedric, man, he had a heck of a. I'll tell you, he had a heck of a weekend. You know, you know, sweeping the two racing and Justin Haley. You know, like we said, he just keeps pounding. And Ross Chastain, you know, he, you know, he keeps getting those good finishes. And Ross, we know yep. for a fact that he, he's do he, he'll, he'll get his win before the season is over. Yes, indeed. Austin Cindric was so happy because this is he's won road courses before. This is the first time now that he's won on ovals, uh, two consecutive races. So uh, that was pretty exciting to see for him. Uh, you mentioned Ross Chastain. He finished fourth and rounding out the top five this, week, uh, this race 
was Justin Algauer. Anthony Alfredo again in sixth place, followed by Noah Gregson uh, in seventh, Michael Lynette, Daniel Hemrick, and Riley Earps rounding out that top ten in this second Xfinity Series race at Kentucky Speedway. Yeah, it's um, Riley had a really good solid weekend. You know what? You know, you really gotta. He did. You you know you have to be happy for the kid. You know, because he's he's been having his his issues too. You know, his problems. You know, and uh, you know, and but I mean, you know, to see him, you know, have a good solid weekend like that. You know, on the second, and then you know, coming back, you know, then getting you know a top ten. I mean, you know that you know that speaks you know you know a lot about his team. You know, and you know, and the driver that Riley. That you know that everybody knows that Riley is. You know, I, I know out here in the West Coast, Riley gets a lot of mm-hmm. he gets a lot of heat. You know, there's still a lot of people you know out here at Irondale that, that you know that just talk talk bad about him. And it's pretty sad because I told him, you know what, you know, the kid's out there doing his thing. You know what, if you, you know, it is what it is. You know, you know, so why why talk down on the kid? You know, I mean, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, you know, it's good to see Daniel Hemrick. You know, also getting you know some good some good uh, finishes mm-hmm. too. And I want to shout out Jesse Little as well. After finishing 17th Thursday night, he came back with a 14th place finish on Friday night. So I think that was a pretty good weekend for him and his number 14 as well. Yeah, it, it was. You know what? Um, you know, it definitely was. It definitely was, Sharon. Um, you know, uh, you know, I mean, gosh, you know, it's, it's 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 such a tough series. I mean, you know what? I mean, we see it, it you know, week after week, you know. I mean, it, it's a it's a tough series. You know, it, it's hard, you know, to get those good finishes. It is. Okay, now, uh, Noah Gregson won the first stage. Uh, it was Austin Sindrick winning the second and third stage to win the race. There were five caution flags for 27 laps and eight lead changes among just six drivers. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and hit the points. And then the points after the uh, the second race of the Xfinity Series this weekend, Chase Briscoe still leads the points with uh, with five wins. Noah Gregson in second with two wins. Austin Cedric in third with two wins. Ross Chastain still in fourth, and uh, Justin Haley rounds out the top five with one win. So. Um, you know, of course, you know, we're still early in the season, you know, there's, you know, we, we might see a shake up, you know, up there, in, you know, in the top five, you know, depending, if, you know, when Ross picks up his win, you know, then he's already locked into mm-hmm. the chase. But then there, then we go down to the, to the highest rookie right now, which is Harrison Burton in, um, in sixth place with two wins, Justin Algeyer in seventh, Michael Annette in eighth, Brandon Jones ninth, and Riley Herbs is, uh, told up that, that, uh, uh, top ten spot, and then from there, then we go down to the uh, to the two uh, bubble spots, which is Ryan Sieg, who dropped a spot to eleventh. Ryan Riley Herbst took his spot, and then still in twelfth is Brandon Brown with Matt Snyder. Um, looks like Brandon Brown opened up the gap a little bit more because now he's uh, he's uh, fourteen points in front of. Uh, Brandon Brown's Myatt. 14 points in front of Mike Snyder, yeah, for that last bubble spot. Okay. Yeah, it's, there's a, a lot of drivers having really good seasons. Three drivers with two wins, one driver with five wins, 
and a couple of other drivers with victories here. And, uh, again, I'm just loving what we're seeing here in the Xfinity Series. And I can't wait for the rest of the series to play out uh, this weekend. Um, And uh, I I really think uh, that this rookie battle is going to be something, too. Harrison's kind of hit a bumpy road, if you will. And uh, he was kind of really hot there for a while with, I think it was nine straight top ten finishes uh, to start the season. And then it just seems like the bottom fell out for him. But I I expect that they're going to get that shift turned back around, and we're going to see more great things from Harrison Burton as this uh, season continues. And I do think Riley Earps is knocking on the door of getting a first victory here as well. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I think so, too. You know, it's not going to be long before Riley gets his, his win. You know, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, like you said about Harrison, you know, he'll he'll get his, um, you know, he'll, he'll he'll get back up on it again. And, you know, but it's going to be it's going to be a good uh, it's going to be a good rookie battle all the way until, you know, which I'm not even sure where the rookie points are. But actually, it's a really good yeah. rookie class when you look at it. It is. Yeah, I mean, they're not far from each other. You got Harrison, um, Harrison Riley and, and basically Matt Snyder, you know, who are, who are kind of like running away with it, you know, um, Jesse Little's down there in fourth, Joe Graff is mm-hmm. in fifth, but, um, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's gonna, it's gonna tighten up. It's gonna go back and forth because they're all going to get their, their good finishes and, and their, you know, so um, you exactly. know, I just look to, you know, to see some good, some good things coming out of all from, from, you know, all four or five drivers. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the cup series now. Cause I tell you what, you couldn't have asked for a more thrilling finish than what we saw in this cup series in rookie Cole Custer bringing home his first victory in the 10th annual Quaker state 400 presented by Walmart. At just is he twenty two already, Sal? Yeah, I can't believe that. Cole I know. Pastor, you know, 20... it, 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 it's funny because when he wins, he usually takes a couple of beers up to the stage with him. Because when he won over here in Auto Club Speedway last year, the Xfinity race, he um yeah. he, he he had two beers and he opened them up and he, he was drinking them up up on the stage. <laughs> Well, yeah. he won again this week. I, I did see a tweet saying, "Where's the beer?" Um, yeah. In the number in the number forty one for Haas Tooling dot com Ford, uh, for t- team owner Gene Haas and crew chief Mike Shiplett, Cole Custer won his first victory in twenty Cup Series races. Just amazing. Uh, his first victory and third top ten finish this season. His first victory and first top 10 finish in one race at Kentucky Speedway. Martin Truex Jr. came in second, posting his sixth top 10 finish in 10 races at Kentucky Speedway. It is his ninth top 10 finish this year. Matt DiBenedetto finished third, posting his first top 10 finish in six races at Kentucky. Cole Custer, the winner of the race, was the highest finishing rookie. And Kevin Harvick continues to lead the series point standings. And, again, we'll talk about that more in depth in just a little bit. But four wide. Cole Custer made it four wide and prevailed 
over Cup Series champion uh, Kevin <clears throat> Harvick and Martin Truex, and uh, Ryan Blaney was in that mix. Uh, he really put on a show there. Yeah, yeah, he did. It was. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it was. Um, it was an amazing finish. I mean, I didn't. I don't even know where where Cole came from. You know, to get that, to pick that up. You know, <laughs> he um, came from like fifth or sixth place. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was. It was amazing. But um, you know, there was amazing. a couple other. There was a couple other fun facts that I had, and you know, Sharon, I don't know what happened to my computer, why it died on me. But um, mm. and it had to do with the first win. He was the he was the the last rookie I think to do this to get their first win in the rookie season was back in it was either two thousand fourteen. Yeah, two thousand fourteen yeah. or two thousand sixteen. Sixteen, I think, and, and, and it was Chris Busher and it was Rain Shorten. Yeah. And, and 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 actually Cole's the one that has done it the fast has gotten to has yeah. gotten his win the quickest, you know, being in being in the series and um and he joined while well, everyone knows Dale Earnhardt Senior won won mm-hmm. a race in his rookie season and so did um Richard Petty also won a race in his rookie season. But it's funny because they went to Jimmy Johnson's stats and Jimmy Johnson, even though he was seven time champion, never got a win in his rookie season. Wow. Wow. I was so excited for Cole Custer this weekend. Um, just to run down the rest of the list here, you had Martin Trex Jr. finishing second. Matt DiBenedetto finished third with Kevin Harvick in fourth. Kurt Busch, last year's winner, finished fifth to round out that top five. Then it was Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, another rookie, Eric Amarola, Brad Keselowski, and Tyler Reddick, another rookie, three rookies in the top 10 this weekend. You know, and, and actually, I think it was Matt, Matt, Matty D is the one that pushed, that gave Cole that push at the end, you know, to get yeah. him a victory. Because after the race, he, he, he went up to Matt, up to Matt's car. He went up to Cole's car, you know, and, and you know, congratulated him, you know, after the race. But um, it's kind of ironic because the week before at Indianapolis, Cole was the one that gave Kevin Harvick, his teammate, the push yeah. for the win. You know, and then now this yeah. week, you know, karma, you know, karma was really, you know, nice to, nice to, uh, was really Kevin nice to Harvick, pull, you know, to. Exactly. Go Kevin ahead. Harvick was disappointed to not win, but he's had some really great things to say about Cole Custer and how impressed he was with him as a driver and how hard he You know, I, oh yeah, he's, he's a hard worker, you know, and it's funny because um, I was emailing Joe last Two weeks ago, we were talking, on, and uh, and he was telling me you know, how hard you know how hard the forty one team has been working, you know. But but they never expected a they didn't expect to win this season, you know. They you know expected just good finishes because nobody wins a cup race in your in you know in your rookie year. season, you know. Of course, you always <laughs> want it to happen. You want it to happen, but realistically, you know what? Especially with the uh, you know with the way that everything's set up, you know the the series is set up now. And, and just the level of competition, you know what, you know, the rookies, you know, they're getting used to the series, you know, getting used to driving, you know, the longer races, you know, getting used to, you know, driving against, you know, the, the cream of the crop. And then all of a sudden get a win, you know, the, and then the way he got the win, it wasn't so much the win, it's the I way know. he got the win. You know, that just really made it. A couple of champions. Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't even, I'm watching, I'm, I'm like, 
match, you know. And, and not just a couple of champions, a couple of big name champions. And the margin yeah. of victory, Sal, was 0.271 of a second. So it was less than a second margin of victory. Just incredible. I'll tell you, it was okay. a well-deserved win. So It was. It was. It looked early in the race that Eric Almarola was going to go for his first victory. He won the first stage. Then it was the number two of Keselowski winning the second stage. And, of course, Cole Custer prevailed in that four-wide battle at the finish line. Uh, there were eight caution flags for a total of 42 laps and 13 lead changes among nine drivers for this race. And we're ready now for the series point standings. Okay, right now the way the, the points look is uh, Kevin Harvick is still leading the points. Second is Brad Keselowski. Third is Ryan Blaney. Fourth is Chase Elliott. And Joey Logano round out the top five. And between all those drivers, they all have the wins. <laughs> Four for Harvick, two for Brad, one for Blaney, one for Chase, two for Joey. And, and uh, oh, then, we'll, then we go down to sixth through tenth. We got Danny Hamlin, Mark Truex Jr., Eric Almarola. Ninth is Alex Bowman. Tenth is Kurt Busch, and and tenth is Kurt Busch rounds out the top ten. Danny Hamlin is the other driver with the four wins. Mark Truex has one, and Alex Bowman also has one win. And then from there, then we go down to Kyle Busch, who's eleventh in points. I I don't think anybody ever expected to see Kyle outside of the top ten in points, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, but he just they just haven't had they just can't get seem like they just can't get you know they miss get all practices. It's it's it, it, you know it's 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 uh, crazy. But then you know then you then we go down to uh, Matt Stevenadadero uh, in twelfth, Clinton Boyer thirteenth, William Byron still holding on to fourteenth. Jimmy Johnson fifteenth, and Austin Dillon is holding on to that sixteenth spot. With, with another rookie that has been really impressive this year. And I have a feeling that Tyler Reddick is going to make the chase this year. I really think that he, that he has the, uh, it's funny to hear from an RCR driver, you know, but um, I really think that Tyler Reddick is going to, is going to nab that, that last uh, 16th spot before the end of the season. Well, I know Austin Dillon has a lot at stake too. He wants to finish ahead of uh, Tyler Reddick being the veteran at RCR. Uh, but Tyler Reddick uh, is really giving him a run for his money, for sure. Uh, but Cole Custer moves moves up, remember, which will move yeah. Austin Dillon out. out. He's going to be yeah. on the outside looking in. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. And then um, Jimmy Johnson, gosh, I mean, that guy, he's, he's right there ready to win a race. And then. I don't know. I don't know. Jimmy's, I just feel bad for him. You know, everything that's happened to him this season, you know, um, you know, first of all, it's his, it's his, um, it's his uh, farewell season. So he's doing it with no fans in the stands, you know, and then then he ends up with COVID, he ends up with COVID for one race, which was kind of strange. And then he comes back this week and, you know, he's, he's looking, you know, to looks like he, he might've had a win. You know, and you know, had that little incident. You know, and um, you know, just you know, I mean, 
you know, you you, you got to feel bad for Johnson, you know, because I mean, if any if any driver out there deserves, you know, a, a good farewell tour was Jimmy Johnson, seven time champion, who everybody knows he's he's his first year of eligibility for the Hall of Fame, you know, he's going to go right up in there. Exactly. Okay, now uh, I think I've got internet back here. Uh, I do have some post-race audio here, Sal, if we want to hear uh, from Cole Custer after winning his very first Cup Series race as a rookie. So let's take a couple minutes to hear what he has to say. All right? Okay. I'm going to turn, I want to turn the volume up here so you can hear it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. We are now joined by the winner of today's Quaker State 400 here at Kentucky Speedway, Cole Custer, who just got his first career NASCAR Cup Series win. Uh, Cole, why don't you just uh, take us through that final restart in your win for us? Man, so, uh, I mean, honestly, I just knew I had to get to the top, and I knew I didn't want to get put three wide. Um, my spotter, Andy Keeson, did a great job of making sure, our, you know, he kept me in the right spots and everything, and uh, it just uh, was race starts before I'd gone to the top before and it just it worked out really good and you're able to keep so much momentum up so um, I was like I just got to get to the top here and we'll see what happens and the four and the 19 got together and it kind of opened a door for me to get a lot of momentum on them and uh, just it played into our favor so and I mean we just had an unbelievable car all day um, I mean honestly I, that was the best car I think I've driven in a long time um, it's just you know we kind of mired in traffic the whole day starting in the back so um, once we got to the front you just got to take advantage of it. last couple of years, is there a moment that you feel like gave you the confidence to, or feel like gave you the confidence to know that you could make this move and win this race? Oh, man. I mean, it just goes down to any, you know, probably the truck series, honestly. I mean, I think, you know, our restarts are very similar to the truck series, and you just got to keep momentum. You got to try and make three wide moves. Uh, and I think that's just what you kind of got to base it off of, but Overall, I mean, it's a combination of everything, everything that you've learned throughout your career of trying to time the restarts right, trying to get momentum on people and get to their outside. And just, uh, you know, you, once you're up front, you got to take advantage of it. And I think we did that today. It's just uh, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I, I just came into this race, you know, hoping to get a solid finish and get a point in the right direction going towards the playoffs. And to come out of it winning is just uh, unimaginable. Okay. Uh, that was Cole Custer the uh, winner of the Cup Series race as a rookie uh, this weekend at Kentucky Speedway. Uh, Just really, really proud of Cole Custer and what he was able to accomplish. Yeah, you you have to be proud of him because, you know what, Sharon, he's he's another up-and-coming rookie, you know, who's kind of getting a little bit of slack, you know, because, you know, who, um, you know, who his dad is and stuff like that, you know, and, um, you know, and but I mean, he he's worked his way up. I mean, Joe has never, from what I know about the Custer, Joe is. I don't think Joe is the type that would you know just put him in something. You know, if he didn't feel you know that you know that he was right for it. I mean, Cole started quarter midgets and worked his way, you know, and and he earned that right. You know, he earned the right, and I mean, and now he's proven. You know, you know you're with, you're with a good team like that. You know, and you're gonna you know win races. I mean, sure, everybody looks at the Xfinity series, you know, when he lost the two championships, you know, back to back, you know, to, uh, you know, to uh, Austin Cedric, you know, or, or Tyler, Tyler Reddick, Reddick. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tyler Reddick. 
you know, and, and Tyler Reddick to come into a team like RCR, who is, who hasn't been a powerhouse team and to do what he's doing, you know, I mean, it's amazing. These rookies are, this rookie class is an amazing class. You know what? And with that win, you know, it's going to bunch the, the rookie series points up, you know, and, and I think now we're really going to have a, you know, we just wait for Bell to start getting, to start clicking, you know, and, you know, exactly. and then, cause I mean, at, at the end of the season, it was, it was the three, it was going to be Bell, Reddick and, and Custer, you know, fighting, fighting for the rookie of the year mm-hmm. um, title. Well, I will say uh, when they talked to Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick talked about how hard Cole works. Uh, they talked to his crew chief, Mike Shiplett. Mike Shiplett talked about how hard Cole works. He watches a lot of race footage, and he studies those races. Uh, and I've always known, uh, just from talking to him the number of times that we have, that Cole is a very methodical racer. Uh, he puts a lot of thought into his races, and he, he, when he studies those tapes, he, he's absorbing a lot of information that helps him in the end. And uh, it really showed this weekend for sure. Uh, and the confidence of Cole Custer is just amazing. Uh, and I love seeing that, considering we know how shy he once was. Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, you know, and then you know, you know, you know, when you talk to drivers about making the jump, you know, from the Xfinity to the Cup, you know, there's always that little bit of you know intimidation factor. You know, knowing you know now. You know you're there, you're here. You know what you're driving against the best of the best. You know and um, mm-hmm. you know and the thing that they realize, you know, is you have to give the vendors their respect. But when 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 does the time come around? You know what? You know when? You know like what Cole did with Kevin. You know instead of trying to get in front of Kevin, have Kevin push him. Cole held his line. You know pushed Kevin to the victory. You know when does it come a time? Yes. You know when when the shoes on the other foot. You know and and Cole tries to make that. He tries to make that move, you know, and get in front, you know, and, you know, and have one of the veterans while it happened this past week, you know, with Matty D, you know, pushing him, you know, you know, to yep, the front, you know, yep. and helping him get his victory, you know. So, I mean, it, 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 it it's neat to see these racers race. I mean, and, and you know, not taking nothing away from yeah, Tyler Reddick, but Tyler Reddick has really been, he has been super, yep, super, yep. man. That kid has been super impressive. Yep, they, they, he certainly has been. Now, Sal, we've got a guest coming up here in another minute or so. Why don't you give us the lead-in uh, to our upcoming guest? Our upcoming guest, we've had him on the show before. He's um, he's he's running um, Erndale Speedway, and uh, you know it's you everybody, you know when this pandemic hit, you know it shut it shut racing down. I mean, we all know that NASCAR shut everybody down. You know dirt races and shut down NHRA, it shut down Supercross. <clears throat> but the I think the hardest tracks hit were the short tracks. And this is where we get our drivers like Cole Custer, we get the Tiger Reddicks, we get the Chase Elliott. You know, we get all, all our all our up and coming drivers, you know, have to come to this to short tracks, you know, and um you know um and there's and there's a story behind, you know, what's um you know, what's uh you know how 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 they're surviving. And that's why I picked the, the guest this week because I know Tim would be real honest with us and he's really excited about what's going on at Irondale Speedway. And, um, you know, this way we can pick his brain and see how, how they're surviving through this pandemic. And with that, we want to welcome Tim to the show. Welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, Sal. How you doing, buddy? Good. Hey, we're glad to have you on. I understand, you know, 
this isn't really the best of times, you know, um, thoughts and prayers, you know, go off to Bernie, you know, and his, you know, his family, um, you know, I've known his family for a long time, um, you know, cause they lived down the street from me, but, um, you know, and, and I, I know, you know, with the tear, you know, that he passed away today, you know, wasn't, you know, I know the timing's kind of a little bit bad, but, you know, I just want to say, you know, that, you know, that our thoughts and prayers are with Bernie and, and, and I know you're real close to him. Yeah, Bernie was the uh, quiet giant here on Dale Speedway. He was our uh, security without saying a word. He was our spotter up on the top. That you know, no, we never had a problem with the spotters on the tower because Bernie just walk over, smile, and put his hand on his shoulder, and they'd be, you know, because he was just such a good dude, and everybody knew it. And he was a, he was a, one of our rocks that held Dale Speedway up. And uh, man, we miss him, and I just can't believe how fast it was and you know he will be part of Irwindale Speedway forever so with that Tim um, you know how hard has it been you know with the when the pandemic hit you know and then you know that you know you, you know the racing kind of got shut down you know and then it came the time you know to to make that decision you know what do we do with this season you know do we you know of course you know you have to follow you know the, the COVID-19 protocol you know, we've seen around the state of California, you know, how different tracks are handling it. And actually, you know, you guys took the chance, you know, you know, last month, you know, to go ahead and, you know, run the, um, you know, the, which is now the, I guess the advanced auto parts. It's not NASCAR wheeling anymore, but it's advanced auto parts, you know, the short track thing for NASCAR. How, how tough has it been, you know, to get back up on your feet, you know, and get the drivers, you know, interested in racing again? Well, you know, the, the drivers have been the best part of it, of it but the, uh, it's been one of the hardest fights that we've ever had in, in our life. I can't even uh, ever imagine trying to prepare for something like this. Um, but it's truly been the racers that have lifted Irwindale Speedway. Uh, without the support of the racers that race at Irwindale Speedway, there's just no way it would, it would go. Um, all the racers are racing for nothing. We're just kind of doing it to be there to hang out, to be with each other because we're racers. And when you have terrible times like this and things, you know, are, are dark, you reach for your family. And there is no st- stronger or tighter family than the racing family. You know, we compete. And sometimes we get upset at each other and we do all that, right? But you do that with your family. You know, every family has that. And so does the racing family. But when the times get tough, is when the family bonds together, and it's like, you know, don't anybody mess with with a with a racer because then you'll have all the racers on you, and um, that's truly what it's been. It's been an outpouring of racers just coming to support the events, to be there, to try to lift their way out speedway, and I I, I got to really put it all all have, you know, all commendations go to them. They are the ones that are doing it. In Saturday night, we had all these racers in the pits, um, and I'll tell you. When we had our all-crew meeting, which we do now, where all the crew has to come, we spread everybody around under our 6,000-foot grandstand, or a 6,000-seat grandstand, and uh, every single one of them came up there wearing a mask. They all stood more than six feet apart, and they were all really accommodating to be there. So I've got to really tell, tell you these racers are what's making it happen. You know, and it is, you know, and, and it's neat, like you said, you know, see them all come together, you know, as one big family, you know, and everybody's, you know, you know, it seems like there's more with, 
what's going on. There's more um, camaraderie, you know, in the pits. You know, the drivers are more willing to help each other out. You know, to you know more make sure that everybody gets out of. Yeah, you know that everybody you know gets a chance to race. You know, and and, it, and it's neat, you know, to see you know that everybody come together. You know, and but the neat thing is to see the respect that they have for one another. You know, you don't hear somebody saying, "Well, why is he wearing it?" You know, like you hear in the outside world, you know, why is he wearing a mask? You know, um, you know. COVID's this, COVID's that. You don't hear that. All you see is just people, you know, doing doing what they have to, you know, so this way they have a place to race. But more than that, to respect the facility and which and what you and your team has, you know, has said, you know, this is what the government wants and if you guys want to race, you know, we need to follow this. It's not a Tim yep. rule. It's not nobody's rule. This is what the government, if you guys want to race, follow it and they're and they're following it and with no complaints. That's it's truly incredible. And that's exactly it. And and I always start off our crew meeting and I do it over on the drag strip side and I say guys and girls you know we're here because of you and we're here for you um you know this mask that I'm wearing I always I mean I wear a mask 24 7 and uh, I do it even when I'm up there speaking and I said look I'm not making any statement one way or the other by wearing this mask I'm wearing this mask because that's what they said I had to do to be able to hang out with you and I want to be here hanging out with you so I'll do it for you and you know what? Everybody's buying in, and what's what we think we got to do. So, how tough has it been for you and Bob? You know, as far as you know, you know, trying to you know to set up a schedule. You know, you know, like you know, you know, like when we're going to race. You know, the advanced auto parts. As far as SRL, you know, I know the SRL. You know, you guys, you know, you work close with Brian and and the Collins family. But you know, when it comes time, you know, for you and Bob, you know, to put together you know your guys' program, you know, to keep the racers you know, coming and, you know, with the, you know, with the different races that you're running, with the different divisions? Well, it's definitely been tough, right? Because every time you, you know, we're always making a plan. We're racers, right? So you're always planning. And 2019 was one of the best years on record for Orlando Speedway. I mean, we had some amazing events, and 2020 was going to double that. And, uh, you know, it just all keeps falling apart. And, you know, I, Right now, without real clear direction of where to go, it's hard to to plan those events. So it's, it's been pretty tough, but we got a lot of great people to support us, and we just keep digging. You know, the digging, you know, of course, you know, you guys got the drag trip. You know, you're still doing the Summit Series. You know, you're, you know, I know you guys had a Summit Series race this past weekend. And, you know, and, you know of course, you know, the drag racers are just as big a part, you know, as, as the, you know, as, as our oval track people along, you know, with the, you know, with the school and, you know, everything else you guys have there and with the filming, you know, of, of Holly, you know, when they do come in and, and do all their stuff like that. Is, has that been a problem, you know, scheduling, you know, you know, to get, you know, you know, as far as, you know, you know, you know, to get everybody lined up on the same page. Oh yeah. Definitely a challenge. Um, but good news is everybody's in the same boat and everybody's been more than accommodating and willing to, to help, you know, on the drag race side, we've been, you know, nothing but great people over there. We keep, you know, that's very, very easy to social distance doing that. You know what I mean? Most drag racers come with just one or two people. Um, a lot of them come by themselves. They're in their own cars. We spread them out. Um, they got to wear masks. Uh, they've been they've been all just great about about helping us, you know, doing stuff like that. And with that, Tim, you know what? Our, our show host, um, Sharon, I, I know she has some questions too. So uh, with that, I'm going to pass it over to Sharon. Hey, Sharon, Hi, how you Tim. doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, chatting with us about 
the current uh, conditions of life as we know it these days. Um, and and uh, I know that uh, it's not easy. Uh, it's not an easy year for anybody uh, this year, but uh, uh, I, I know that you guys are making the very best of it there. And uh, Irwindale is a staple out there in the Southern California area. And um, uh, I know the fans are anxious to get back at the track too, but uh, we, and I know everybody understands the situation, uh, but do you have any events that are currently scheduled that, that fans can kind of be aware that are coming up? You mean where fans can come to? Well, I don't, do you have fans in the stands right now, Tim? Yeah, no, we can't have any fans. So, so unfortunately, everything yeah. we've done has has been without fans. Um, fortunately, we got some great partners with uh, uh, Tommy and Jeffrey from Low Budget TV and Irwindale TV. So you can go on there and watch all of the events live streamed. Um, you know that's mm-hmm. been, you know, a great great uh, partnership that we have with those guys. So people can at least still see like they they're there. You know. But, uh, yeah, right now we are completely shut down to spectators, you know, all together, and we're limited on crew um, per team, and we keep them separated and, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So uh, for the for the folks that are in that area, well, actually anybody across the country could watch it, right, on low-budget TV? Absolutely. All the way across okay, the country, so, yep. yep. Okay, so what events are coming up that they can maybe look forward to? Yeah, this weekend, is, this weekend is one of our crown jewel events, the Southwest Tour Series and the Southwest Tour Modifieds. Um, we'll be there along with the short track uh, pro late models on the third mile and the West Coast Pro Truck. So it should be a great event this weekend. Um, but, you know, unfortunately still no fans. Uh, but you can watch it on irwindale.tv and, uh, you know, or low-budget TV and access at both places. Okay, and 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 you don't have to live in that Southern California area. Anybody no, across the country can tune in. Yep. yep. Exactly. Absolutely. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Tim. It, we had, this last weekend we had viewers from Maine and New York and Wisconsin. I couldn't believe the the viewers we had watching this last weekend. Exactly, and and you know, hopefully we're getting that name or Irwindale Speedway. Uh, along with Low Budget TV and your own uh, TV uh, station there at Irwindale, uh, mm-hmm. you're getting that name out there across the country, uh, and, and folks are getting to know that track and how special that track is. Everybody that comes yep. on that has raced at Irwindale Speedway has nothing but good things to say about that facility, Kim. So you That's should awesome. be happy of everything that you've done there. Love it, love it. Okay. Well, I, yeah. I don't have a lot to say, just a, just kind of an acknowledgement of I understand how difficult times are right now. And uh, in spite of that, I think you guys are doing a great job out there. Oh, Sharon, thank you so much. We're, uh, we're having a great time, but, you know, still can't wait till our fans get back. Is that, they, they complete us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sal, I'm going to take it back to you. Okay. You know, Tim. You know, we. You know, of course. You know, the the thing with the fans came up. How, um, 
how tough is it, you know, to go week to week, you know, without, you know, without having, you know, the fans there. I, I, I know the drivers, you know, they, once they get in the cars, you know, they're focused on the, um, you know, the task at hand. But then afterwards, you know, the, the, when they win, like we've seen with Dean Thompson, you know, the excitement, you know, that Dean had, that would have, I mean, the stands would have gone crazy over that, oh. you know, his, um, his post-race interview, you know, but, you know, you kind of feel bad for guys like him, you know, who, you know, who get their, you know, their win like that, you know, and then there's really nobody to celebrate it with them. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, because you could see Dean get out of the car and he jumped up on the door and he looked at Sandy and went, rah! I mean, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, you know, just, you just normally feed off of that. But, yeah, we got to get him back, too. Yeah, we do. And you know what? And and, and you really got to, I mean, the the job that, uh, that Tommy and Jeffrey are doing, you know, with low-budget TV, you know, to put it out there, you know, and, of course, you know, you yourself, you know, down there, you know, emceeing the, you know, the race, you know, with the, you know, the interviews and all that, you know, to make everybody feel, you know, like they're actually part of the, the action. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, why we have such a, we're, you know, we have such a big viewership at this time, you know, it's because the job, you know, that, like I said, the track does the job that you do down there with the announcing. And of course, you know, the, you know, all the cameras angles and stuff, GoPros that Tommy and Jeffrey have in all the cars. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a, it's really a first-class operation. Yeah, I'm real proud of those two. You know, they've grown up at Irwindale and and uh, you know really become uh, awesome young men. <laughs> yeah, they have. Now with that, Tim, you know what? We want to thank you again for coming on the show. And um, actually, can you uh, let the fat, let our listeners out there know where they can where they can follow Irwindale Speedway? You know, for any updates. You know, you know when we're going to get a fans um, schedule, and of course, you know um, websites or anything. You know, low budget TV, how they can tune in. Absolutely, uh, IrwindaleSpeedway.com, uh, um, Irwindale Speedway on, you know, Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, you know, I, Walt Disney always said, you know, it all started with a mouse. And for us, uh, it all started with racing. So I watch, you know, just like you, Sal, we're, we're all big Disney guys over here. But, uh, you know, there's a statement that I'm saying. It's, you go, we go. So you watch Disneyland. The day they go, that's the next day we'll be announcing that we're going. So I, I listen to them every day. They got a lot of smart people over there. So stay tuned to what Disneyland's doing, and we'll be right behind. <laughs> there you go. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> I that, love that, it. <laughs> that too. Once again, I want to thank you for uh, you know for all you've done for all that you and Bob Ricotti are doing for racing. You know, right now, you know, keeping it alive in the Southern California area, not only here but you know, across the nation. And um, with that, we'll see you Saturday and um, and have a good evening. And of course, stay uh, safe during this pandemic. You bet. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, Sharon and Sal. And have a great day. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Okay. That was great having him on. It is not easy for these tracks right now, Sal. And uh, on such a sad day for him as well. You know, with losing Bernie, uh, we really appreciate Tim Huddleston taking the time to be here and uh, to share uh, some of his thoughts about the pandemic and how it's affecting racing. And and the fans can still watch from all over the country. Fans can still watch the racing that's taking place there at Irwindale Speedway. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing with Bernie, you know, it's just sad because Bernie was such a big part, you know, of um, Irwindale Speedway. I mean, he was. On Friday nights, 
he was the one that would give you your wristband, you know, for, you know, cause Friday nights we have open practice and he was the one that made sure mm-hmm. everybody signed the, the waiver, you know, the liability and he gave him a wristband, but not only that, but Bernie was all over the place. Like Tim said, he'd be up in the spotter stand, um, you know, wherever Bernie was needed. He was really, I mean, he was like a big old, huge gentle bear is what he was big, big guy. And I've known Bernie a long time. I've known him. I grew up with his family. They lived down the street. Well, our thoughts and prayers certainly go out to the family, and uh, may he rest in peace. Um, now, I do want to kind of move on here, Sal, because uh, this Wednesday uh, is the All-Star Open and the All-Star Race at Bristol Motor Speedway, a new location uh, rescheduled from the uh, May race that was originally scheduled at Charlotte Motor Speedway is now going to be at Bristol Motor Speedway. Now, the Open is going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and the All-Star Race should start sometime around 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Fans will be able to catch the action on Fox Sports 1. Uh, the radio uh, coverage will be on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, there's three stages for the Open Race. It's a total of 85 laps. Uh, the first stage will end on lap 35. The second stage, uh, lap 70. And, of course, the last stage on the last lap of the race. For the All-Star Race, there's going to be four stages. So the total laps are 140. The first stage will end on lap 55. The second stage on lap 90. The third stage on lap 125. And then the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 140. So let's get started with the starting lineup. Um, for the All-Star Open. Cole Custer's going to skip that this week, though. He goes straight to the All-Star race. Yeah, he does. So that's, that's uh, I'm sure that's a big, huge... Uh, um, relief. Relief. Not only that, but let's not forget that whoever doesn't make the race, they also have the fan vote. And um, mm-hmm. barring some unforeseen thing. He probably might have been the big vote getter, but now he don't have to worry about that anymore since he won his race. But the open exactly. is... Keep in mind, too, that the winner of each of the three stages gets to move on to the all-star race, too. Plus, you got to remember, too, they have to keep their car in one piece because they have to come back and race some main race. So, I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's going to be like kind of like a you know, you know, do how hard do I, you know, I want to, you have to race your way in and, and, and nobody mm-hmm. knows who's going to win the fan vote, you know, until after all the cars are in and then, then, then they'll announce the fan. But um, it's going to be exciting because you're going to have guys that are, that are just going to, they're going to give it their all because you know what, it's, it's wreck them or, or I'm not in. And, but it's, it's always, and then Bristol, you know, Bristol's, you know, they moved it to a track, you know, where it's going to be that 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 just up the that just up the ante and the excitement even that much more by moving it to Bristol. It does. Okay, now we've got some big names on this list, Sal, for the uh, All Star Open. Oh uh, yes, we do, Sharon. There's a lot of big names. I'm, I'm looking up and down the list, and uh, we got 22 we can, drivers. Why don't we start with the starting lineup by row? Because Michael McDowell's got the the pole. Okay, how did okay how did he get the pole? Explain, explain to the to the listeners how he got the pole. Was it a random draw? I think it was a random draw, wasn't it? 
Well, I'm not sure, Sharon. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm putting this one on you. <laughs> okay, let's see if I can find the answer here. Uh, Michael McDowell will start from the pole for the NASCAR Open at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, the lineup was set by a random draw with the top 12 okay. and owner points among those in the Open uh, choosing the top 12 starting spots. So uh, that's how they did it, is by the random draw. And Michael McDowell won that random draw. Uh, do you have the starting lineup there, Sal? Yeah, I have the starting lineup. Okay, start with row you, one. You want, you, you want me to do like the first five or six rows and you'll do the rest? or, or how you Yeah, want to that'll do be fine. If you want to okay. do the first uh, five, yeah. First five. So in row one, we got Michael McDowell and Eric Almarola will will be leading the the charge, and right behind them is rookie Christopher Bell in third, and uh, Ricky Stenhouse will be in the fourth spot. Ricky has real quick has been having a phenomenal season this year. You know what? I'm surprised he's not higher mm-hmm. up in the points of what he is, but Ricky has really been um, uh, you know for you know moving from you know out of out of the uh, um, out of the Roush Fred, out of the Roush Fenway camp, yeah. And then in third, the third row, we got another rookie with Tyler Reddick, and next to him is uh, Bubba Wallace. And then in row four, we got William Byron and Chris Boucher in row four. And then uh, in the uh, ninth and tenth spots, we got Clint Boyer and Matt D. Benet Dedetto. Start. Those are <laughs> our first. A fun those name are. To say. You know what? There's some days I can say it, and there's some days I can't. Like today, I can't say it, but like last week, I had no problem. It was Matt. Matt you did just fine. Matt D. Yeah, Matt D. Oh, Matt D. D. Benedetto. Yeah, Matty Dero, Matt D. Benedetto. Benedetto. There you go. Now you right. Okay. So those okay. are the, those are our first ten. Okay. In row six, starting with eleven places, Austin Dillon and Ryan Priest. Row seven, you have J.J. Yaley and Garrett Smithley. Row eight is Brennan Poole, one of the rookies. Uh, and Quinn Huff, that's the rookie row, row number eight. Uh, and then you've got in row nine, Kimmy Hill and Joey Gase. Row 10, you've got Daniel Suarez and another rookie, John Hunter Nemechek. And row 11 is Ty Dillon and Corey LaJoy. So one of those drivers, as you mentioned, will get in on uh, fan boat. Three of those drivers will get in based on stage wins and the race win. So uh, it's going to be fun to see how all that plays out at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, let's go ahead and move on now to the, um, to the uh, all-star race and the starting lineup there. Again, I believe this was a random draw of the drivers, uh, starting with the top 12 and then by owner's points from there on out. <clears throat> You know, Sharon, so, I couldn't find the I couldn't find the list for the uh, for the, the All Star race. Lineup? Yeah, all I it's funny. Well, all I all this they I've gave got me was just here, the Sal. open. Okay, I can go ahead and go down this list if you want to just comment on it. Then afterward, we've got Martin yeah. Truex Jr. Uh, as the pole sitter with Alex Bowman in second. Uh, the second row is Ryan Blake and Justin Haley. In the third row, we've got Kevin Harvick and Matt Kenseth. At row four, you've got Kurt Busch and Cole Custer. 
Uh, and row five that completes the top ten is Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch. Uh, the next three rows, starting with row six, is Ryan Newman and Joey Logano. Uh, row seven, you've got Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson. And row eight is Denny Hamlin and Eric Jones. Other drivers will fill in uh, as we kind of determine who those next four drivers are uh, because four drivers will come from the open into this all-star race, uh, again, by fan vote, and then the winners of the stages and the winner of the race. So uh, that's going to be fun. Uh, This is a four-stage event, Sal, that's going to be taking place. And uh, we should go over the format here. Let me see if I can find that information. Uh, okay, I, I did. I did find the. Uh, I did find the uh, entry list, but I did find the format. Okay, uh, the format for this race. We talked about the three. The, the fact that there's going to be four stages. Uh, technical rules. Uh, will remain the same. Uh, oh, and by the way, this all-star race is going to have the glow effect on all the cars. That's going to be kind of cool to oh, watch. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the glow. <laughs> so those those yeah, drivers that I just mentioned in the starting lineup, they're all going to have that glow on their car for this night race. So that's going to make it kind of interesting as well. Yeah, it is. it's going to, um, it's going to add kind of like the, stuff that you see out in the streets with all the kids, you know, all the street racers and, you know, that put the, those uh, neon lights in the bottom of them. And I guess from what I had understood, each, each manufacturer is going to have its own color. So there'll be three, there'll be three different colors. Right. Okay. So the other thing is that uh, <clears throat> both green flag and yellow flag laps are going to count in the stages one, two, three, with only the green flag laps counting in the last stage. <laughs> Uh, if the race is restarted with two or less laps remaining, uh, there will be unlimited attempts at a green and white checkered flag under green flag conditions. So that's going to be interesting as well. Um, the technical rules uh, uh, are going to be the same. Cars are going to look a little bit different because car number is going to be moved uh, from the door toward the rear wheel cover. And uh, they're giving more space for the team sponsors uh, for this event as well. So that's going to be a little bit different. uh, And I think that's going to be fun to see uh, this race. And another thing that's going to happen is they're going to have the choose rule in this race, Sal. So that's going to be interesting, too. Oh, yeah, with the orange cone. Yeah, they get to choose. Yeah. They get to choose which lane they want to restart in. So uh, uh, allows yeah, drivers you know, to choose which lane to line up for in the restart. So that's going to be yeah, interesting. There's, yeah, there's a lot of short tracks out here. I mean, I know back east they do it too, but um, there's a lot of short tracks out here, you know, where they have the – they put the cone and then usually the drivers that are way in the back, you know, they'll choose to start, you know, because what it is, it, it'll, it'll be a – it'll technically supposed to be a single-file restart, but when they do the choose – when they do the choose the choose rule – then they open up the, yeah, it's it, it's usually either the inside or the outside lane that they open up, you know, and they let them choose. So, yeah, that's going to mm-hmm. be, um, that's that's kind of a, 
that that's going to add a really really neat thing because a driver from the back can come up, you know, and move up right actually next to one of the front one of the front row drivers and get that spot. Exactly. Well, we're coming up to the end of uh, our race here. Uh, by the way, the race winner gets one million dollars. So you know these guys are going to be going all out for this race. Yeah, they are. You know, so, and, um, you know, and and actually the um, I I think it's a good idea with the number in the back. I, I've seen a lot of cars when I've gone to Snowball Derby. There's a lot of cars, you know, that put the number in the back quarter panel, and it, and it, it it's really neat. You know what? It just adds a little little bit different, you know, dynamic, you know, to the race yeah, car. Yeah, I've noticed a few cars having that, and it does give it a different look and, and feel. Uh, Sal, are you going to be at the racetrack this weekend? Uh, Tim mentioned that there's going to be some racing at Irwindale. Yeah, I'll be at the SRL at the SRL race this Saturday, the Southwest Tour race. Derek Dolan's going for his fourth. He started out so far. He's got the first three wins in the series. He's going for win number four. And actually, this will be four – his fourth win in a row is what he's going after this weekend. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be at the track. Okay, very cool. Well, Sal, we appreciate everything you do. Thanks for getting Tim Adelson for us on the race uh, show tonight. And uh, really enjoyed talking with him. And uh, look forward to uh, – I'm going to see if I can't catch some of the racing at Irwindale this weekend. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's going to be some good it's going to be some good racing. We're gonna we we shot about twenty two twenty four cars somewhere in there, maybe more. Okay, so so cool. Okay, Sal, thanks again, and we'll look forward to talking to you again on Monday night at eight thirty p.m. Eastern time, right here at Banff Racing Radio. Okay, thanks, and uh, you guys have a good evening. And we'll talk to you later. Okay, take care, Sal. Bye bye. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. Okay, we are at the top of the hour, and that means it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining me tonight, Andy's not able to be here tonight, but we do have Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Excited to be here. I know I saw where Andy said he wasn't going to make it. Obviously, we're going to miss him, but uh, I do believe our other counterpart there, Mike, is in the house. Yeah, he is. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hello. All right. Uh, we are ready for some hot topic sound off. Uh, Jay, I'm going to call you the co-host tonight. Uh, why don't you kick us off on the on the hot topic sound off for tonight? All right. Well, I don't know what uh, what happened last week or whatever, and I don't know if he shoved me first, but I'll throw the first punch. Let's talk about Noah Gregson <laughs> and Harrison Burton. Oh my. <laughs> Okay, Mike, what are your thoughts there? I hate that I had to work. I missed the whole race. So um, I saw a little bit of the replay. Um, It sounds like there was more than just what happened on the track at Kentucky that led up to it. I think Harrison made reference to that was the second or third time uh, that he's gotten into it with the nine on the track, and it kind of came to a head after the race in Kentucky. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't see the whole race, so I don't have a great grasp of the context of it. Uh, That was definitely one of the punchier fights that I've seen. What I really like, though, um, as much as you can like a fight, um, the thing that I like about that is it was between the drivers. What I really don't Mm -hmm. like is when you have this massive scrum on pit road where you've got 30 crew members involved all fighting each other, you know, 
that I understand it's a team sport and the teams get passionate about their cars, but that kind of gets a little out of hand and potentially dangerous. And if you're going to have a fight on pit road, I do prefer that it stays contained to the drivers who had their issue on the racetrack. Yeah, I think NASCAR uh, actually is going to issue fines now for any of the drivers that, or any of the crew members, I should say, that get involved in a, in a fight like that. So those guys were pretty much staying out of it, uh, and I agree with you. I think it should be between the drivers, not between the teams. And I do applaud those teams for trying to keep their drivers out of the fight. They were kind of intervening only in the uh, interest of the driver to kind of pull him away from the fight versus being a part of the fight. So I, I think that is a good thing. And uh, I don't think there are any penalties that are going to be issued there. But I'm kind of like you, uh, Mike. I had company all weekend, and I did not even – well, actually, did that fight take place on the first race or the second race? That was, that was the second, second race. It was the second race? Okay, then I didn't get to see that at all then. Uh, I fell asleep. I was so tired. Um uh, on Thursday night, I actually fell asleep before the end of the race, and uh, I didn't get to see the end of that race either. But uh, uh, I'm really curious, Jay, to hear your perspective since neither uh, Mike or I actually saw what happened. But I, like Mike, I kind of heard uh, Harrison's comments that this isn't something that just happened uh, with one incident on the track. This has kind of been leading up to a head here at Kentucky Speedway. Well, you know me, I'm kind of a night owl, so I I didn't see it live. And uh, I knew, uh, actually, I think it was my mom that had sent out a message, something about hot topics coming, because fight, fight, fight. So, But they put, replayed the race following that. So by the time I got home, I did get to stay it. And I think I'd step to 1 a.m. to watch the end of the, the full race in order to catch it all. Um start with the the on-track incident between the two of them. It was another case of they were running side-by-side, Noah Gregson on the bottom, Harrison Burton in in a higher groove. They got close enough where the air affected Gregson's car. When he tried to catch it, he slid up into Burton. They slid up into the wall, okay? And we've had that discussion before then of, is that a bad move on the bottom driver, in this case, Gregson, you know, either being in a bad position or not being able to handle his car. But if you watch that whole race, Burton had it happen earlier. He happened to be by himself, but he went down to the bottom, and as a car went by, slid up. When he slid up, he had more room. There wasn't a car there. It happened to Brandon Jones. Um, I think it was part of what happened with Algar and the 90 car. So it had been happening all weekend. But that's where I think that what Harrison Burton said in his interview was part of what, like you said, come into play. It had been a building thing. And his answer was, everybody was telling him, great job, that was overdue. So, again, Noah Gregson's history of aggressive driving, Mm -hmm. this might not have been his fault or an intentional or even questionable intentional, just that he lost the car and it happened. But there's been other incidences. So, from that aspect, I kind of understand where Burton's coming from. He's like, hey, this is the third or fourth time, whatever it was, that it's been an incident with him. So wanted to at least express that. What I was impressed with, and this isn't how I, I, I guess since you guys didn't see the race and then the confrontation and, except for the replays, but 
I was impressed uh, from my end of Noah Gregson. He, they were talking. Burton shoved him once. They came back together, and they were both holding their ground. It was on Burton shoved him a second time that Noah lost it. And, they, you know, Noah threw the first punch. Because the other, the two from Burton were just kind of shoves. But it took two of them. He held his ground the first time and said, okay, I'll come back and talk to you again. When he got shoved the second time, that's when he threw the punch. So I thought there was some restraint on Gregson's part, at least. Like I said, it took that second shove. Um, from there, then they really did kind of go at it. And I know some other crew members, I think Michael and Nat all of a sudden was over there. But there, too, there was some side-by-side battlings. Uh, junior Motorsports team meeting again this week. Going to be a little... Uh, <laughs> a little awkward because there was definitely some bumping and banging amongst his cars in those final laps. Mike, can you follow up? Yeah, I, I think it was probably one of the uh, the cleaner fights that I've seen in terms of NASCAR, and uh, I like the response. That, that I agree. Uh, for everything I've seen, I had, it doesn't look like there's going to be any kind of penalty involved with it, and I think that's right. Um, NASCAR is inherently an emotionally driven sport to at least a certain extent. Um, and if, you know, it's almost like hockey in that the occasional fight here and there kind of makes the sport what it is. You think all the way back to NASCAR's breakout moment in the 1979 Daytona 500. And yeah, it was a big race and Richard Petty won the race, but everyone still talks about that last lap crash and fight that happened afterward. So I think that element of NASCAR is a healthy part of the sport as long as steps are taken to make sure it stays healthy, meaning don't let it turn into a massive brawl between 30 people on pit road. Don't let uninvolved drivers get in on the action, stuff like that. Kind of like what they do in hockey, the two involved parties, they punch it out, sort it out. And when it's over, okay, it's over. Um, And let that, let it go down like that. Um, I think, you know, if you're going to have a fight in racing, that uh, that fight right there between Gregson and, uh, and Harrison Burton was probably textbook for what, you know, I would like to see uh, in if you know if we're going to have a, a fight on pit road. Yeah, I want to address just a couple of points that came up here. Uh, one is the fact that Harrison heard from several drivers uh, that they felt it was about time, uh, kind of giving him a little pat on the back for for uh, kind of standing up for himself there, saying it was overdue, and a comment that you made, Jay, uh, in that uh, no, it's kind of established a reputation for himself of being a little overly aggressive. And Mike, I'm surprised you didn't bring those up uh, because uh, you, you kind of mentioned that Noah's a little over aggressive at times. Uh, and, and I've agreed with you that sometimes he's his own worst enemy with his over aggressiveness. He kind of carries it beyond that edge uh, to the point that it actually hurts him in the long run. And we've often we've sometimes said we wondered uh, if that wasn't going to hurt him as far as other drivers helping him uh, down the road because nobody wants to help you when uh, you, you're overdriving the car and causing problems for other people on the track. So um, I, I kind of get the feel that that might be the case, Jay, that uh, his reputation kind of precedes him on this one, and he came out on the short end of the stick. Well, and actually, like the way it played out, they both went up, scrubbed the wall, kept going. I think uh, Gregson finished seventh, Burton like 11th or 12th. So it didn't even ruin any one of their day overall as far as being wrecked, but did set them back because it was for, I believe, fourth or fifth or fifth and sixth. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, I think it was for for fifth and sixth, and Gregson, like I said, was able to recover and get back up a little bit further. 
But so it does have to do with that history, not just that incident. And like I said, that particular incident, if if it were separated by itself and isolated and Harrison Burton were to go back and look at it, I think he'd understand what happened. Because like I said, I did see earlier in the race where he had the same issue being on that bottom lane. Um, right. But just the fact that it has been him and been taken out completely on a couple of occasions. And there are, have been some in the past where I don't know if I view him, um, Noah as aggressive as you guys do. I, I, I know we've had this discussion and I see your point there. Um, but also I'm on that. I want to see a driver going for the win and giving it his all. So kind of mm-hmm. a in between there, but it has, like you said, established <laughs> that reputation. I mean, and we've seen it. Mm-hmm. It can be with a teammate, you know, that one too. I was like, yeah, that was, you know, you might want to be a little more careful around a teammate, but with the cars, the way they are, like I said, that was completely just the aerodynamics of it with the airflow that that car got loose. Now there then becomes the question of, well, learn how to handle that loose car. I'm not going to speak to that because I've never been loose inside of a race car like that. So um, Mm -hmm. others, you know, have that opportunity. And like I said, if it says the car is actually passing you, when you get loose and slide up, they're already gone. In this case, he was still behind him coming up to him. So when he lost it, he slid up. Harrison's car was still there. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, thanks for for, uh, bringing that up because uh, I kind of (laughs) wondered a little bit about that uh, and hadn't had a chance yet to really take a look at those replays. But, um, uh, Mike, I'm ready to move on to the next topic. What do you have on your list? Well, you know, a few weeks ago we talked about, you know, whether – Stuart Haas racing was kind of on the ropes. It was obvious that Kevin Harvick was kind of carrying that team. Um, and I'm, I'm disappointed that Andy's not on the line tonight because it'd be great to get him involved in this, but I'm really wondering if we've seen Stuart Haas turn the corner uh, and seeing a little bit more improvement from the organization as a whole, instead of just the four car, we saw the 10 lead laps this past weekend, obviously the 41 uh, won the race and even the 14, he hasn't been really leading laps so much, but he's moved from probably the middle of the teens into probably the back half of the top 10 consistently. So I'm wondering if Stuart Haas has turned a corner or if we're just seeing kind of a temporary sugar high with that. Okay, Jay. Well, I think this is kind of one of those of if you're not winning, you're not getting the attention. We've talked about Eric Almarola, the top five finishes. So he has been strong. He hasn't necessarily been leading laps and winning the races or even battling at the end for him, but he's been up there. Um, Cole Custer, it's been the last two to three weeks, I think, that we've seen him solidly inside the top ten, running there and finishing there. So to me, it is kind of starting to spread throughout the organization. In Cole Custer's case, obviously got to win this week, highlights it, but it's also a rookie. So as a rookie finishes up there, it's going to get pointed out. I think Eric, Eric Almarola really gets overlooked again, and I believe that he should have continued that with this week with the six, uh, six top five finish in a row. So overall, he's been almost as consistent as Kevin Harvick. He just doesn't have the wins. So I do think that is starting to spread throughout the organization, as we said, for a couple of things for Cole Custer, rookie, starting to get uh, more seat time. Uh, I know this is still the first time there to Kentucky, but as he gets to the track second time or whatever, that's going to improve. But also that spreading the information and adapting to it, whatever Harvick's gotten doing, they're looking at it and going, okay, what do we need to do to get our team to that level? 
as parallel with the teammates. So I think you are going to see that start to spread throughout the team and all of it elevate. Yeah, I have to agree. I think, I think Eric Almarola gets overlooked because he has been consistently up there racing in the top 10, if not the top five in a lot of these races. And actually he's eighth in the series point standings. He's the highest driver without a win. Uh, Alex Bowman has one win in ninth, and then it, it goes through a whole list of drivers with zero wins. Cole Custer obviously moves up uh, because of his win. He's now within the top 16, uh, having punched his ticket now into the playoffs. And when you look at it from that perspective, all four Stuart Haas racing drivers are in that top 16 uh, and will probably uh, be contenders uh, at least for a part of the playoffs uh, going into uh, uh, these uh, playoffs this fall. So I can't say that um, Harvick has been the best performer uh, of that group, but uh, I would say Eric Amarola has been overlooked. I, I really think that he has been. I think he's been a strong performer. He's been consistent. Uh, Cole Custer we knew as a rookie. Uh, we knew it was a matter of time. Uh, and I expected in the second half of this season for Cole Custer to start showing what he is capable of, and he certainly did that this weekend at Kentucky Speedway. Uh, so I don't think I'm really surprised uh, by what we're seeing from uh, Stuart Haas Racing at this stage. Uh, I think they've always been uh, kind of there. I just think it hasn't really been um, – uh, I think a lot of it's been overlooked, if you will. And and we're, we're just now seeing what Cole Custer, Cole Custer is actually capable of doing. So, Mike, I'm curious to know your follow-up to that. Yeah, I'm really pleasantly surprised with Cole Custer, uh, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> thinking about the, uh, the rookies in the current rookie class and back in their Xfinity days, Tyler Reddick got off to a pretty hot start right away in Xfinity. So did Christopher Bell. But Cole Custer, his first year in the Xfinity Series, and even into his second year, he was okay, but he wasn't great. He would only win maybe one race or so. I think his, his first win came at the end of his first season at Homestead. So I was kind of not surprised to see him get a slower start in the Cup Series, but his progression has been much more rapid than what I expected. Now, he obviously won the race in Kentucky, but he only led one lap, I believe. Um, so I'm not ready to, to, uh, to, to write in uh, Cole Custer's name in for the, uh, the finale in Phoenix yet or anything. Uh, but I am really encouraged to see what's going on with that 41 team, and hopefully that team can continue to build momentum. They've been on the weaker side of Stuart Haas's uh, stable for the past several years, dating back to when Kurt Busch was driving that car. Um, so, Hopefully now Cole Custer can start getting the, uh, a little bit more of a feel for the car and has a little bit more consistent performance. I think he's still second in the uh, Rookie of the Year battle behind Tyler Reddick. Um, I'm not looking at any numbers, so if I'm wrong, correct me on that. Um, but hopefully that improved performance can make him a little bit more competitive week in and week out and prove that that one win wasn't just a fluke. Okay. Cole Custer actually led – Laps 224 to 227, and then he led again lap 267. So he was one of 13 drivers to lead uh, throughout the race. There were actually 13 lead changes among nine drivers, and Cole Custer uh, was, in fact, one of those drivers. So um, 
Jay, I'm curious to hear your follow-up. Well, a couple things there uh, when we're talking about him as a as a rookie. Um, and like I said, from what, what I've noticed, the last three weeks he's been solid. Some of the other rookies, we've seen the flashes of good runs, especially when it comes to Christopher Bell, which we expected to be it really between him and Reddick. Uh, like Mike mentioned, Custer was kind of a slow developer. He got brought in as one of the big three, but it took him longer to get to that point. And what we've seen so far this year, whether it be John Hunter Nemechek had some good runs and then fell off. Reddick had some good runs, fell off. Bell has had a couple of good runs and was struggling. They've all been jumping up and then falling back. And Custer was kind of that slow build to get to where he's at, which may turn out to be better in the long run. And like I said, I've noticed in the last, I'd say, three races, uh, Indianapolis, uh, Pocono, and now this weekend, that he's been solid there and, and in the top 15 to top 10 with the rest of, rest of the Stuart Haas racing. The one thing I will say here, Sharon, you mentioned him being in the top 16. He is actually not in the top 16 in points yet. However, no. he has the win, which will lock him in, so that playoff Correct. level is now actually 17th spot, which affects Jimmy, in the neighborhood of Jimmy Johnson. I want to say Tyler Reddick and Eric Jones. I don't have it right in front of me, but that that bubble well, has actually now been pushed to 17th because Custer is outside but has the win, which will bring him up. Right. He's, Custer is actually – let me see if I can pull this up again. Uh, Custer is actually uh, – let me pull it up here, the points – he is listed on the points as it stands right now in 20th position, but his win will push him into that top 16. Right now, Austin Dillon is on the 16th spot. That pushes Austin Dillon back to 17th with Custer moving up with the victory. And uh, it makes Austin on the outside looking in uh, because he does not have a victory at this point. So, uh, that's kind of the way that I look at that. Now, if if um, if you followed me for any length of time whatsoever, and we've been on the air since 2011, uh, people know that we have followed Cole Custer for a very, very long time. And, and he's been on our show when he was very, very shy and didn't have much to say. I know Cole Custer is a very methodical driver. I know he spends hours and hours and hours of time studying video footage uh, so that he can be a better driver. He spends time in the sims uh, and, and learning. And I'm not, that's not to say that other drivers don't do those things. But I, what I'm trying to say here is that Custer is a methodical thinker. And when he, he analyzes every little thing that happens on the track, and he absorbs that information, and it makes him a better driver over time. So, like I said earlier, I didn't expect him to get out of the gate in the first half of the season, but I expected us to start seeing glimpses of just what his talents are in the second half. I didn't necessarily expect him to win this soon, but I'll tell you what, to go four wide with two Cups champions, and uh, a driver like Ryan Blaney, who's had a, a fantastic season up to this point, uh, I, I really think he was very, very impressive with that victory. It wasn't a rain-shortened victory. It was a head-to-head with the veterans 
victory for Cole Custer, and and, uh, that part of it doesn't surprise me, just knowing him as I've known him over the years um, as a driver. Uh, He is very, very talented, and that showed, I think, this weekend. Uh, Okay, Mike, did you have any follow-up? I think you're the one who brought that up. Yeah, to to Jay's point about kind of the slow burn, um, you know, that slow burn is usually better than a flash in the pan, uh, at least historically Mm -hmm. speaking. You know, there's plenty of drivers out there. Trevor Bain, for example, he won the Daytona 500 in his very first race, and for the rest of his four or five years in the Cup Series was pretty much an also-ran. So he was a, you know, a flash-in-the-pan kind of driver who had a very, you know, quick peak. Um, so that's, you know, that slow burn that Cole Custer has had as he develops and matures as a driver in still a very short period of time. We're, we're talking about, what, 21 races completed so far this season, something in that neighborhood. Um, that's still a pretty fast development. But, you know, if you were to, to kind of make a line graph of performance, Cole Custer is definitely the upsloping driver versus the peaks and valleys that we've seen with some of the other rookies. 20 races so far, 20 races in. So, uh, yeah, that that uh, that is true. Okay, I want to um, – uh, let's see, I had my list up here and now I lost it. Let me kind of pull this up real quick as far as uh, moving on to the next hot topic here. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. Tony Stewart and Ray Hamham announced today that they are bringing a new series uh, based off of the old IROC series uh, into existence for the 2021 season. Uh, my understanding is it's a SRX All-Stars uh, series and uh, will include uh, some of the all-star drivers from various disciplines, not just NASCAR, uh, but all kinds of disciplines. And, uh, uh, you know, we might see drivers like Tony Stewart uh, compete in this, uh, maybe even Ray Evernham, but some of our current uh, drivers that are all-stars as well competing in this series. Uh, At short track specifically, races that are, Short in duration, no longer than about, I think, the whole. It's a Saturday night series on CBS Sports uh, to include uh, CBS All Access for live streaming. Um, And my understanding is that uh, they're looking for these to be uh, short races on short tracks uh, with cars like the IROC cars that puts the uh, results of the race into the hands of the drivers. Specifically, they want this to be a driver series, and uh, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts about uh, this new series that will start in the summer of 2021. Uh, and if you want more information about it, anybody listening, uh, we do have that posted. The press release is posted at fanforacing.com. So, uh, Mike, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Jay. Yeah, I'm really interested to see where they go with this. Um, obviously, the IROC series is—it uh, had its—it had its moments. It was a hit and miss. There's probably a reason why it's no longer a thing anymore. Uh, but with a name like Tony Stewart behind it, it, they've got a really good foot in the door as far as building a successful series, or at least attracting talent that has the potential uh, to make a successful series. 
Uh, it's really going to be in the details with this one. Um, what tracks they run on, what type of car they run. I'm not sure if they've specifically said uh, what type of car, whether it be a sprint car or a stock car or something like that. Um, but I think those details are really what's going to make that series. And I'm really interested to see exactly how that develops and what that turns into for its final product. Okay. Before we go to Jay, uh, and thank you, Jay, um, I uh, do. it is that time of the night that I need to give my spiel here. Uh, we're going to go off the air right at uh, 10.30 Eastern time. Uh, that does not mean that we stop recording. We do continue recording uh, the rest of the conversation, uh, and that is part of our overtime bonus material that becomes available on the podcast. Uh, and that podcast is available uh, sometime after uh, we finish our conversation here during that overtime session. What I do is I go out on Twitter. I let folks know that the podcast is now available. Uh, and if you're uh, listening to the live broadcast, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark, and then you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation uh, on that podcast. Podcast listeners, you get to listen straight through uh, without any interruption. Uh, we just like to give this feel at this time of the night for anybody who might be a new listener uh, so that you don't wonder what the heck's going on uh, when we go off the hair in mid-sentence. Uh, so just a heads up uh, with that happening here shortly at uh, exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. So with that, Jay, I, I want to hear your thoughts. Well, and I knew I knew that if you turned it over to me, you were going to have to interrupt me because I got some things on this. <laughs> so I want to make sure you got that in first. Thank um, you. I, I'm intrigued by this. You know, I, I was always a, the concept of the Iraq series I liked. And hopefully Tony Stewart, Ray Abraham, and whoever else is involved with this did their homework, which I think they've hit on a couple of key things, going to the short tracks and being shorter races versus some of the bigger super speedways or bigger tracks that they used to do um, when, when it was in existence. And, and there's several, several still unknowns, as Mike mentioned, the type of car, you know, how the cars are set up. Under the original IROC series, it was that the cars were supposed to all be equally, equally prepared, everything like that, and it was supposed to be in the driver's hand. But I think the track and the t style of tracks they were on took that away. So I think the short track thing Bingo. is a key element to yes. it. Um, the money, the sponsorship, and that's one of those that I think is part of the reason that entirely dwindled out. I know the final one there, Crown Royal, was the one backing it, and it just wasn't getting the response to return on their investment for what they were putting into it. So I think here, too, on a shorter track, so maybe the focus can be a little bit different and they can get that financial backing, which is needed for no matter what you're doing. So uh, I, I'm interested by it, but it also makes me wonder of what caused it to go away the first time, making sure that mistake and it doesn't happen again, as well as the, the interest for it, which, like I said, I think one of the key elements is the short track, how it'll come out to play as far as the cars. Like Mike said, that's unknown yet. We'll have to wait and see, but I'm definitely intrigued by it because I think the concept is good. Well, I agree. I think timing I think the timing is makes all the difference in the world. And when you've got people like Ray Evernham and Tony Stewart behind this, uh, I think that they probably uh, 
do not want to repeat what happened with the IROC series. Uh, and I think they're smart enough people that they put that thought into all of this. And I agree with you, Jay. I think that uh, the, the short track part of this, the shorter race part of this, is all part of uh, what's going to make this even more intriguing. I know there's been a lot of criticism in the past about the IROC series, uh, and, and I'm not saying it's not justified. Uh, it's probably justified to a certain degree, but I can't see Ray Evernham and Tony Stewart going into this um, without having put some thought into this uh, and learning from past mistakes to make this better. Now, this series is going to be known as the SRX Superstar Racing Experience, uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to probably be shortened to the SRX series, um, but uh, they're looking to bring in uh, superstars uh, that uh, race from all disciplines of racing. Uh, they've got an investor with uh, George Pine. Uh, he is uh, heavily invested in all of this, and uh, uh, they are looking to do this. They have entered into a multi-year partnership uh, to produce a six-race short track series that will again air on Saturday night's prime time on CBS Television Network and the CBS All Access uh, for the summer of 2021. I am very excited about this. I understand the reservation when when the name IROC comes up. Uh, I have full confidence, <laughs> I will just say that, I have full confidence that Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham are going to bring a really well-thought-out uh, series to the forefront here in the year of 2021. I'm excited for it. Any follow-up, uh, Mike? Right, Mike, you still with us? Yeah, sorry, I, <laughs> I set my phone down for a second. Um, yeah, as far as, far as the uh, the series goes, um, the details, like I said, the details are really going what uh, going to matter. Obviously, money is what makes cars go around racetracks. Um, so if the money piece is in place, that's at least going to get them started. But getting started is one thing. Having a compelling on track product is what's really going to make or break that series. Um, so, like you said. With names like Tony Stewart and Ray Everham behind it, they've got a great foot in the door, and I'm really encouraged to see what they have to offer. Um, hopefully they can attract that talent. Um, if it's going to be short track, dirt track kind of stuff, I'm sure we all have names that come to mind as far as who exactly would show up for something like that. Um, but having that good, compelling on-track product is really what's going to make or break the series. Um, having sponsorship to start out is a great start. Having great names behind it is a great start. So that's two out of probably the three to five pieces that are necessary in order to be successful. So hopefully as the details start to come out between now and next summer, um, it really becomes more of that encouraging picture that, uh, that gets fans to tune in and watch. Absolutely. Jay? Well, and the one aspect, and I, and I, I think it was Mike that brought it up uh, in the group messenger earlier in the night, the fact that it is CBS that's involved, who hasn't been involved with a whole lot of motorsports, NASCAR, or otherwise, in general, for a long time. So um, I take that as a good sign that maybe they're like, hey, we're missing something here. We need to get it on with us since we do have stuff on FS1 as well as NBC. So that, too, is, is kind of an element that I, I kind of see as an unknown, the fact that it is CBS that they've partnered with. Um, which, like I said, I take as a positive, 
they're like, hey, we're missing something over here. We need to get involved, and, and that'll help, too, with what they'll put behind it for the Yeah, I agree. I, I think the fact that it's the shorter races, they're gonna, the 90-minute time frame is what they've kind of targeted for the timing of this event, and that includes behind-the-scenes access as well as the race. So we've been talking about how the Arkham Menard series have the shorter races and, and it's door-to-door action. Uh, it provides some intensity. There's there's uh, not a lot of time. They've got to get to the front quick and they've got to keep up in the front. Uh, so there's a lot of bumping and banging. I think that's the type of thing we're going to see in these races. And uh, I'm I'm excited about it. So uh, I think they've put everything together uh, to make this uh, a pretty good deal. But you're right, uh, more details to come. And uh, But what I've seen so far, uh, all all positive in my, my point of view. So, Jay, I think that brings us back to you for the next topic. Well, I want to start another fight. No, um, oh, talking about we, said, <laughs> we talked about uh, Harrison Burton and Noah Gregson. I know Kevin Harvick and uh, Martin Schrift had some words um, from their incident, and I didn't catch all that. I didn't get a chance to watch Race Hub today, but I know there's some stuff out there about that, as well as then Jimmy Johnson and Brad Keselowski. And I just wonder what the reason is that we're seeing more intensity right now amongst drivers um, in all of the series we've been watching. And I want to get your thoughts first, and then I'll, I'll say what I think it might be. Oh, okay, Mike. Well, I actually had this on my list as well. And really the big question is, when will people learn to stop throwing blocks on Brad Keselowski? Uh, he's turned probably half a dozen cars in the past couple of years to try and cut across his nose because Brad has made the decision that he's just not going to lift when people decide they're going to try and force that, that position like that. Whether that's good or bad, it's what it is. Um, as far as the intensity increasing across the series, I don't know. I think it may be because of the compression of the season. Um, we had that big break, but the season still started when it did, and it's still ending when it's supposed to, at least as it's currently scheduled. They didn't extend it anywhere out. So guys aren't really getting that decompression break between races that they got before. Uh, we're seeing no more than six days between races, sometimes as short as two or three days between races or the next very next day. So that time that it takes to kind of cool down and objectively think about a situation and maybe realize that, Hey, maybe it wasn't all that other guy. That thought process may not be taking place or at least not completely developing like it does in other series, uh, other seasons where they don't have the compression that they've gotten that series. Okay. I think that's part of it, Mike. Uh, but I think there's more to it than just that. Uh, and, and I think that that's a big part of it. So I'm not taking anything away uh, from what you're saying, but I think there are some other factors that are playing into this as well. One is COVID-19 um, and businesses, uh, sponsorship. I think sponsorship is, is going to be a big, big question mark uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think a lot of these companies are looking at how they're going to uh, reallocate their money uh, during this pandemic uh, because a lot of these companies are not making a lot of money right now. So I think there's the competition for the sponsorship dollar is going to get more and more intense uh, the longer this COVID-19 pandemic goes on. So I think a lot of drivers are realizing this. 
Uh, a lot of them are racing hard uh, to get their sponsors the recognition that they feel that they deserve. But uh, I think that uh, I, I think the longer this pandemic goes, uh, for all the reasons that Mike mentioned, the the, the shorter turnaround on the races, uh, the more pressure there is on these drivers, uh, the more pressure there is on them for sponsorship dollars as well. And I think that that's a big part of this picture, uh, and why these guys are much more intense and uh, in their racing on the racetrack as well. Uh, and, and that goes along with the teams because the teams are hurting as well. And so how many of these teams are going to have to cut back from four cars to three cars or, you know, they're, they're not going to have the stables that we're used to seeing at some of these teams. And so these drivers are fighting for their very life out there on these racetracks uh, because they want to keep their ride for the upcoming year. And so that intensity is really going to get tough. Uh, so kind of my addition uh, to what Mike had to say. Uh, Jay, I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. Uh, you most definitely are, because generally I say you and I are on the same wavelength and you take the words right out of my mouth. But in this case, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to say my thought process was where Mike's was, and I don't know if that ever has happened before. It doesn't happen very often, I don't think. But <laughs> I really, I really feel like it's – like he mentioned, the compressed schedule of some of these, when you're doing the double header, the Xfinity series specifically went back to back days. You know, like he said, if something happened Friday night, it is obviously still fresh on your mind on Saturday uh, versus waiting a week or, you know, if they run a Friday or Saturday mm-hmm. show the next week, it might even be a, sat- a Sunday show. So you have even maybe more than seven days. Um, that's kind of where I felt it, it was coming from. But you bring up some good points, Sharon, with the, the COVID and the sponsors. Again, I, I'm not a driver, but if my job is to drive, I'm always out there to drive and, and win. Not that you're not doing it for your sponsors, but I don't know if they're as involved in, hey, I've got to get my sponsors up front because they're going to need to know if, they can, if they're getting their return on their money this year more than any others. Uh, but it is possible. I know they do sit in on all the team meetings, and they, a lot of drivers are directly tied to their sponsors. Um, the the fact that they were out for so long, you know, pent up or, you know, again, with the shortened schedule, a lot of them maybe then go to the gym or go to the golf course during the week and they aren't getting that downtime because they're still being pent up at home once they leave the track or even at the track in their motor homes, um, that that might have that impact. Okay, Mike. Yeah, I've really got nothing to add on that. You guys both bring up good points. Um, obviously, I, I more strongly agree with Jay, who is agreeing with my points. Um, but, yeah, the uh, the sponsorship piece is probably not necessarily in the forefront in the driver's mind, especially when they're on the racetrack. But I'm sure they're thinking about it when they're sitting in that team meeting room, uh, especially drivers who are in a more precarious position with the, uh, with regard to their rides. You know, the guys sitting on one-year deals who haven't been re-signed for next year, uh, especially when there's maybe rumors that the team's going to go down from four to three cars or three to two cars or something along those lines. I'm sure that's in their mind then, and maybe not a conscious thing, but that's, I'm sure that, you know, they feel that pressure. And whether they're thinking about their sponsor or so when they're getting the restart with a few to go, maybe not specifically thinking, hey, is this sponsor going to stay behind me? but just more of a broad, I need to perform for my race team kind of thing. So I think there's a lot of factors in play there. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not discounting what you guys are saying at all. 
I 100% agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying that in addition to that, I think that there are some other factors uh, to be put into consideration here. And and uh, I agree in part with what you're saying there, but I think these guys are in tune enough with their sponsors to know whether or not they have sponsors that might be uh, having issues financially uh, that could affect them in the future. And and like you say, it might not be at the forefront of their minds, but it's certainly back there. And uh, especially if they know that there are issues financially with those sponsors uh, and the fact that they have to be looking or somebody within their organization has to be looking at uh, who those other sponsors are going to be, um, who, who a new sponsor might be, especially in, in these kind of times. So I just offer it as additional thoughts. Uh, food for thought here, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, any other thoughts, Jay? No, I definitely think, like you said, they are involved, involved with it. So, and like Mike said, at the time of the go time, it might not be their forefront thought, but the fact that it is still there, you know, all that comes into play um, once you see that checkered flag coming. So uh, I certainly do think that is a factor. Okay. Um, okay, I guess I was the last one on that. Okay, so, no, Jay, you had that as the topic. Okay, so, Mike, it's your turn for the next topic. <laughs> All right, Sharon, are you well, sitting I, down? I am sitting down. Okay, I need you to brace yourself. I have something I overwhelmingly positive to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> The Chad Canals-Clint Boyer broadcast pair was possibly the greatest broadcast pairing in the history <laughs> of motorsports. They I were love it. phenomenal calling that Xfinity race the other night. Um, I think that was the first time Chad had been in the booth, and he has got the perfect balance between the crew chief's mentality of knowing exactly what's going on and why it's going on but still having that quick wit and personality that makes him engaging in broadcast. Um, he's like Ray, Ray Everham is, he's got the cerebral side of it, but if he, I don't think Ray Everham has ever done broadcast, but he definitely comes across as bookish. If you've ever watched any kind of the speeches that he gives, um, he definitely speaks to the inside crowd. Chad Canales was very, very, very good at, providing information that's still accessible to somebody who has no idea what he's talking about. He did an outstanding job and Clint Boyer was the perfect foil to that. And Adam Alexander was just along for the ride and it was great. Yeah. How did Ray Everham fit into all of that? Just a comparison between really great crew chiefs. Uh, You know, Ray Everham is always looked at as one of the best crew chiefs in the history of NASCAR. And he he really is. He's an extremely intelligent person. Um, But uh, when I, you know, I saw him give speeches at like the Hall of Fame and stuff like that, and he he obviously knows what he's talking about, you know, championship crew chief and whatnot, uh, and he's okay. he's approachable and connects to a certain extent, but I don't think he connects as well with somebody who has zero previous knowledge as well as Chad Kanowski. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So you're just comparing him to another previous um, crew chief who has announced in the past. Okay, Jay, you're exactly. Fine. I, I can I can see where Mike's coming from on that, uh, um, and Ray Abraham has done some, whether it be interviews, broadcasts. Uh, I know he had the show on Velocity, um, and I, off the top of my head, Americana, I think is what it was called, 
Um, mm-hmm. That loosening up is what I would call it. Like like Mike said, he is a very focused individual, detailed uh, individual, as we saw Chad Knauss is, you know, and the fact that Ram did start his own team, it, it was a very business-orientated uh, move. So it's one of those of can you loosen up a little bit, which I think Chad Knauss can and does. Um, so with that, I, th- I think Mike's right. And like he said, of being able to bring it to somebody that maybe isn't at their level, bring it down for them without being condescending with it either. You know, and, and I think yeah. of, I think of Larry McReynolds is another good one. I know he has the uh, opportunity. He always has the Ford cutaway car, but I think he does a decent job of breaking it down without, like I said, demeaning or condescending to new viewers. As Mike said, if you got new viewers coming in or ones that are a casual fan and wouldn't necessarily understand it if they're not from the mechanical side of it. So, um, I do think that, and I know they joked about it because they're like, hey, we're calling Kurt Busch tomorrow. He's out. You know, we're going to keep you two together. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I do think it was a very positive overall reaction all the way across the board. Yeah, I do know. I, again, I didn't see all of the races this weekend, but I do know uh, one of the things that I like about Clint Boyer, one is his sense of humor. He, he's got a great sense of humor. Um, if he ma- if he makes a little slip up, he's he's quick on his feet, and you can kind of smooth that over right away and and correct it. But the thing that I really like about Clem Boyer is he's got a great way of getting into the minds of the drivers that are on the track and and helping you get into their minds and what they're thinking and and kind of give you a preview of what to look for on this next restart or or that type of thing. He's just so good at that. And I could see where uh, Chad Knauss could really bounce uh, with Clint Boyer because Clint Boyer is one of those guys, you got to be able to bounce with him uh, because uh, he can kind of go all over the place. But uh, I can see where that probably is a pretty good matchup uh, with Clint Boyer and Chad Knauss. So uh, that's about all I can really say about it. But, uh, Mike, your follow-up on that. Now, Clint Boyer did break Chad Knauss. He absolutely broke that man when he started talking about some of these spoiled drivers who they need to know how good they have it by going and punching the time clock every day. Chad Knauss was done. He laughed his face off. Uh, On a more serious note, nothing against Larry McReynolds, but the thing that Chad Knauss really did, it was the exact same thing that Jeff Gordon did when he came into the booth with Daryl Waltrip. Chad Knauss has the insight of a current crew chief who is currently doing the job uh, versus somebody who's removed two generations of race cars. Larry McReynolds does an outstanding job with the Fox broadcast team, but he's never crew chief for the sixth generation car. He never crew chief for the fifth generation car. Larry McReynolds has been in the broadcast group for the past 20 years. And Chad Knauss kind of showed Larry McReynolds age a little bit in terms of expertise about the current mindset and strategy in some of these racing series. Okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize that Larry McReynolds had been out that long, but I mean, there, there is some truth to that. And I know Mike and I have talked about this offline from the driver perspective or the crew chief perspective um, of being that far removed, like you said, like he said, from the current car. Uh, So there is some to that. I know Larry McReynolds is obviously still very involved in the garage area, but you're right. He isn't a hands-on at this point. Um, 
So I'd have to I'd have to compare the two of them again for, for, from that aspect. But there there's definitely something to that as you bring in Clint Boyer, Jeff Gordon of that have driven this car, uh, especially like with the digital dash and some of the things that they are going through now. Yeah, I will say Larry McReynolds does have a great relationship with the crew chiefs throughout the garage. And so if he needs to get information, he's able to kind of pick their brains, if you will, uh, to gather information for that will help him when he is, uh, uh, you know, doing a broadcast. Uh, I, I will give him that. But I will say if Chad Canals can do uh, what Clint Boyer does as far as getting into the minds of those drivers, if, if Chad Canals can get into the minds of the crew chiefs, and give that perspective um, for fans who are listening to the broadcast and watching the race. Uh, that kind of insight, I think, is is really invaluable, and I think that's a that's a really really good thing. So, Mike, final comments. Well, I, just more of a broad uh, broad perspective. I really like what Fox Sports, especially NBC, doesn't do it to to as much of an extent, but really Fox has gotten into the past few years of bringing in current drivers and current crew chiefs into the broadcast booth to call these races. Uh, I think it's provided a lot of really great insight into what's going on on the track, and it provides a point of view that a lot of fans don't really see. Um, you know, we talked about Larry McReynolds being cr- uh, connected to the garage area, which is great, but there's a big difference between talking to guys when the cars aren't on the track and sitting on the box when the cars are on the track in competition. And having that level of expertise in the booth in the Xfinity series has provided for an outstanding increase in the quality in the broadcast for the Fox Sports team. Okay. Uh, Moving on to the next topic, I'm going to bring up uh, NASCAR considering a ban on the political sponsorships. They've seen an increase of uh, uh, political statements uh, and sponsorships on a lot of these cars. Uh, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts about that. I know you guys kind of know my thoughts about uh, mixing politics in with the racing. Uh, so I'll just kind of leave it at that at this point. Uh, but, Jay, let's start with you on this one. Okay, now we're back in sync because that was my next topic. So uh, you and I are back <laughs> on the same page. Um, I've had this to with when it comes to sponsorship as a whole i hate the fact that i greatly dislike sorry greatly dislike the fact that they do restrict any sponsorship um i shouldn't say any but it goes back to the days when sprint took over Alltel and motorola had that were forced out i understand the title sponsor versus then having other ones that are competitors within the same organ or uh, same brand but supercross makes it work it's the monster energy supercross that the red bull bikes are winning so it can be done you're still the title sponsor in this case it doesn't have to do with the title sponsor but there are teams that i mean they need this and the political thing yeah i understand where you you don't want to get into it being a whether it's about politics but just like any other company the fact that they are there they're you know per promoting their product or their candidate, I don't see a problem with it. And I certainly hope that they don't restrict it because especially the teams that it has gone to seriously need that. And the one I'll tie into that, and it goes with the COVID that we were talking about, 
Um, just as a note, I know Timmy Hill and the MBM Motorsports isn't going to be able to make the all-star race because of the two weeks that they've run um, back-to-back, unfortunately had, had some issues with their cars. They don't have the number of cars, so they don't have a car ready for the all-star race and can't afford to. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of ties in, and that's a shame. Well, it ties in in a different way, but, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Okay, Mike? All right, Sharon, you can stand back up. I'm going to go kind of negative on NASCAR here. Um, okay. When you go when you go all in on divisive political topics, no matter what it is, no matter what you feel is right or wrong, you can expect you're going to get blowback from the other direction. And That's right. a few years ago, when NASCAR was more or less a neutral arbiter and sponsorship, come what may, whatever's on the car is on the car kind of a thing, that was a very different environment than trying to take sides in a debate, whether, you know, again, whether you're right or wrong, whatever side you're on is irrelevant, trying to take sides on a debate immediately alienates yourself and opens yourself up to blowback from the other side. I don't think that political sponsorships would be as divisive and as debated as if NASCAR had stayed neutral and not gotten involved in one topic or another. Yeah, I I feel that, this should be about racing. It should not be about politics. And I do think that, you know, you don't talk about politics at church. <laughs> uh, you don't bring, you, you shouldn't bring politics into church. I know that some churches do. Um, but I, I feel that the, politics should not be in sports. Um, this is about the sport Sport is supposed to be about recreation. You're talking to a former uh, rec major here, uh, recreation and parks administration major. And recreation is all about recreating oneself. The minute you bring politics into it, you're bringing stress into it, and it no longer becomes about recreating and and, uh, refreshing yourself. So to me, sports and politics don't mix. And that was the the thing. NASCAR needs to stay away from the politics. Drivers need to stay away from the politics. And look at this as a sport venue that is about uh, getting away from the stresses of life and, and refreshing people uh, in, in a way that can help them go back and deal with the stressors that we deal with in everyday life. Uh, it should be a respite. It should not be uh, politics creating division. And, and right now, that's what we have. We have politics creating division. And I'm not for that. I am not a confrontational person, believe it or not. I am truly not a confrontational person. And I think when you bring politics into it, you're, you're asking for confrontation. Um, so that's my perspective on it. So once again, Jay, uh, we were together and now we're apart again. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying with regard to the sponsorship, but I, I have to say um, I'm all for sponsorship. But I'm not. A, I'm not for politics being in my sports. I am just not. <laughs> so That's, we'll just okay. Move on from there. But but it's already there. If you truly believe that and, and the, the lack of confrontation and everything, then then you have to get rid of all sponsors. You have to get rid of manufacturers. 
How many people out there will go nose to nose with somebody because it's a Ford versus a Chevy? How many people out there would go nose to nose because it's Coca-Cola versus Pepsi? And that's just for me. And are you calling that political? Are you calling that? It it doesn't matter. You're promoting you're promoting one side or the other. You're telling them to make a choice. Choose Mountain Dew over Mellow Yellow. I'm talking about I understand Trump that. 2020 on a car. I understand. Uh, I'm talking understand. about. Okay, so I'm not but talking about the, Ford versus Chevy. But the, you're, the you're essence is the same. You're putting words in my mouth. No, okay, I'm no, not. Okay, okay. I'm not trying to put your – okay. Let me, I'm saying any sponsor is there to promote their product or whatever it is they're endorsing. So to mm-hmm. the fans, you're saying it's about politics because you're choosing one side or the other. If you're rooting for the Mountain Dew no. machine, you're choosing Mountain Dew over. Uh, this is from my perspective. This is my perspective on it. But you if said, you come up to me saying, and want to talk about. When huh? you say you're saying, that's telling me that I'm saying that, and that's not what I'm saying. Well, okay, and you, because you're not alone, and the, the, there's two sides to this. Um, okay. But I'm, my, my point is whether it's about a political candidate or not, any sponsor is going to have opposition, whether it be manufactured, because there you have Ford versus Chevy versus Toyota. With sodas, you have Mountain Dew versus Mellow Yellow, Coke versus Pepsi. Take any sponsor that's out there. They're trying to get their name out there and make, have you make a, a person, not you personally, a person make a choice of what they want you to drink, do, say, think, whatever, versus another one. So that's where I'm saying that to that level if you're saying it can't be where they're having to make a, a person is saying that they can't be forced to be, make a decision one way or the other, any sponsor is because they're saying, choose our product over our competitors. Okay. I've got something um, on this. If, you, if you'll let me get in here. Jay, uh, Mike, is, are you done, Jay? Yes. Okay, Mike. So, so my point, my, my, my takeaway on this, the, there's a huge, massive, astronomical difference between the teams being involved and the sanctioning body being involved. Um, think of it this way. You can have a team, you know, two opposing football teams, for example, right? The referee wears a, a black and white striped shirt. Um, and you can cheer for one team, you can cheer for the other team, that's fine. But if the referee is wearing the jersey of one team, that is where the division comes in. And I think that's where the issue is here, where NASCAR has come in and supported one side of a political argument, and now they've gotten blowback to the point where, since the sanctioning body is involved, not the individual teams, now the sanctioning body as a whole is called into question on the issue. Um, Again, whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. They're involved. So the referee is now wearing the jersey of a certain team and it has caused these issues. If you just had an individual sponsorship, for example, Trump 2020 on one certain car, I don't see that being a big deal. If you don't like Donald Trump, that's fine. Cheer for some of the other cars that are on the racetrack. But since the sanctioning body is involved now, that's a completely different story. So, okay. So, I understand what all you guys are saying. I absolutely understand. However, I think it's the comparison that you're making, Jay, 
is an apples to oranges comparison. When you're talking about political sponsorships, talking about Coke versus Pepsi, okay, you are talking, there's a big difference between choosing a Coke over a Pepsi over choosing a can, one candidate over another candidate or blue over black. So I, 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 it invites controversy. There's no controversy when you're talking about the difference between a Pepsi and a Coke like there is controversy over one candidate over another or blue over black. So I think that NASCAR needs to stay out of it. And I think that the teams need to stay out of it as well. And uh, uh, I, I think that if we are truly an organization that invites everyone to be a part of this sport, And again, I'm looking at this from an entirely different perspective than you guys are, and I'm recognizing that it has to do with my education as far as recreation on a whole. Recreation is not supposed to be about politics. It's not, period. End of story. Politics should never be a part of a recreational environment. Never, ever, ever. And that's where the mistake was originally made. So from my point of view, politics should not be a part of any sport. I don't care what the sport is. It should not be a part of it because it takes away from the fact that your sport is about recreation. It's about taking your mind away from those stressors in life. And when you bring politics in, you are not (laughs) taking people away from those stressors anymore. And it creates controversy. And that is exactly why NASCAR is looking at the political ban of political sponsorships. And I think it's the right move. Honestly, I do. And and I, I understand where you guys are coming from. I understand that I'm coming from it from an entirely different perspective, but it's my perspective and I'm entitled to that. So uh, I don't know if you guys want to do any additional follow-up or not, but. I know we're we're tight on time here and I do, I, I see where you're coming from, but that's where I think it goes to what Mike said. If it were the Republican NASCAR series, then you have an issue because it is the series. This is about a sponsor on a car. And I will speak for me personally, when it comes to the, that involvement, yes, if I'm going to get in a fight with somebody at a racetrack, it's going to be because of Mountain Dew over Mellow Yellow, not over a campaign thing. I know people that, like I said, you talk bad about Ford <laughs> or Chevy, they're going to go nose to nose. You're going to have a harder confrontation there. When you talk about politics, they're going to say, I don't care. You know, You're going to get and that's, fight with that's, somebody over Mountain Dew over Mellow Yellow? Jay would certainly I would I would I would argue day. that more than I would politics. <laughs> and like I said, oh, I know brother. people that I know people that and I won't call any names out, but yeah, if if you talk bad about Ford or bad about shit, that's what this that's what the whole thing was started on to begin with was the manufacturer battle. You know, went on went on Sunday, sell on Monday. I mean, that's what the the sport that part of it was based off of. And with that then came sponsorship. And again, they're all out there of our product is better than yours. 
whether it be a person or a thing. They're just saying, we want you to, on our side of our product, their product happens to be a person. Well, yeah, I don't get that. That does not compute for me at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so I, I think it, to me it, it's laughable. It really. <laughs> Go ahead. Mike. Yeah, it, it comes back to the neutral arbiter kind of a thing, right? So if NASCAR is now going to say, oh, no more politics in NASCAR, well, are they going to find Bubba Wallace for wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt under his racing suit or where, uh, having a Black Lives Matter uh, paint scheme on his car? Uh, or conversely, are they going to fine somebody else for having an All Lives Matter paint scheme on their car uh, or something that's counter to whatever the, the popular accepted uh, political thing is? The problem now is that the sanctioning body has become involved. I understand there's, you know, the official soft drink of NASCAR sponsorship kind of a deal, but there's a difference between a paid, you know, everyone understands that Coca-Cola pays NASCAR in order to be the official soft drink of NASCAR. Big difference between a paid sponsorship that is acceptable versus a endorsement of an idea from the sanctioning body, not an individual team. That's the big difference here. The individual teams are irrelevant. They, they can and should be able to run just about anything that they want to run so long as it's in the boundaries of law. Um, that should be acceptable. What should not be acceptable from a sanctioning body standpoint is NASCAR as a sanctioning body, which should be neutral, getting involved in endorsing one side or the other over the opinions of somebody else. I think that's where the, the waters got really muddy and I think there's been some unintended consequences that have gone a lot worse for uh, for some people involved that, that I think than than they had expected them that they would. Okay, well we'll leave it at that, and uh, we are kind of past our top of the hour time here. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into the roundtable and uh, close out the show here. So uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Yes, Mike Orzel on Facebook, Mike underscore Orzel on uh, Twitter. Uh, I've got one more article, I think, coming out on the 48 car series. One of these days, we're going to get some articles going about the uh, potential tracks. That's not going to be published, Mike. Mike, that's not going to be published. I guess that's not coming out then. All right, one of these days, we're going to get some articles coming out on the – on potential tracks coming out for NASCAR. Uh, So keep your eyes open for uh, on Fan for Racing blog about that. Okay. Uh, Jay? All right, you follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I'll get some stuff out. I know we got to get our race picks in for the All-Star Race. I'll do that as soon as we get off the show here tonight. Okay. And uh, uh, we did a preview for the All-Star Race tonight. Uh, Jay and I will be doing the review on uh, Thursday night along with our preview of the uh, upcoming races at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, we are, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our Fan for Racing website at fanforacing.com. And um, uh, it's going to be a busy week uh, because it's been one of those quick turnarounds, especially for the Cup Series guys, with the All-Star Race in the Open tomorrow night. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how this plays out. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a fun race to watch with the uh, underglow and, uh, uh, you know, all of the different uh, format features that they have in place for this year. I think it's going to make it fun. Uh, and definitely looking forward, Jay, to the uh, review show on Thursday night. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about there starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, again with NASCAR Hot Topics at 10 p.m. So uh, hopefully Andy will be able to join us uh, for that. And uh, uh, I want to do a big shout-out to all of our listeners. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you uh, for taking the time to tune in to hear what we have to say. And uh, with that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a wrap. Thanks for all you do. We appreciate you guys. Have a good night. Talk to you Thursday. Okay. Good night, guys.